This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. You know the drill. Uh, Mark is on vacation until Friday. He will join me at UMS Wright for our championship drive. And Nick's here because he has no place to go and he doesn't take vacations. And Nick, we have a very special co-host. He's making his debut. He is asked, volunteered, begged to be on the morning show. Maybe I'm going a little too far in the begging part. I want to introduce uh, Spring Hill basketball coach Craig Kennedy who I have traveled with to and from, and I would say this, he's a renaissance guy. Craig, good morning. Good morning, good morning, Lee. How are you this morning? You know, all the conversations we have, it's, I, I will say this, we talk a lot more than just sports. We do, there's no doubt about that. We uh, we cover the globe, don't we? We do. We cover a lot of uh, avenues. Uh, Craig is a Canadian, meaning you were born in Canada. Correct. But you have papers to live here in the United Correct. States, I right? Correct, I do. I do. How long did it take you to get your passport? It's taken me forever. Um, I still haven't gotten mine. Yeah, I've got my passport. That that was no problem. It took a while for me to get the green card. That was uh, that was an interesting situation going through that. So we're going to talk about the NBA. Nick, of course, walks out as I'm ready to introduce the games from last night, but that's yeah. par for the course. Uh, leave me stranded. So last night, the Hawks and the Lakers both won, so they get the seventh seed respectively. Great night for Atlanta sports fans because the Braves won 7-6, to six, but more importantly, the Hawks went Huge. to Miami. And, Nick, as soon as you're ready to settle in, I wanted to ask you, I don't watch all the games this year, half of them or even a quarter of them. But from my standpoint, could we say that last night's Hawks win over Miami may have been their best performance this year? Yeah, definitely was their best uh, performance when it needed to happen. But look, I saw a thing where it said 17 NBA analysts picked the Miami Heat to beat the Atlanta Hawks. I've watched the Miami Heat this year. They suck. They do not have a lot of talent on that roster. They Now, do they grit and grind, and will they make you play as hard as you can to get a win? And will the game probably be 98 to 96? Yes. But at the end of the day, they just do not have a very talented roster this year. They're old. They're beat and busted. And then Atlanta, they've got a lot of talent, you know, 10 men down on the rotation. It's just if they could lock in and play together like they need to, and last night they did. You know, Craig, he has never spoken this long in the pre- in the pregame as long as he's ever gone. I think he did a great job. You think he did? Yeah, I think he did Here's a great the thing job. he totally missed out on. Yeah. Totally missed out on. Yeah. Prior to the game, during the pregame where you have Barkley and Smith and O'Neal, right? Right. The storyline was Trey Young, and I had brought that up during the morning show. Somehow, someway, word had leaked out that ownership had given management the okay to go and trade anybody they wanted, including Trey Young. So the panel spent at least 15 minutes did you see that nick did you listen to those yeah. guys and, yeah and did you see that 
management called Trey Young before the game and said, hey, all these rumors okay. don't mean anything? Yeah, well, that's fine and dandy. But where there's fuel, there's fire. And even the guys saying, look, there has to be something to this. Why would any organization be stupid enough to allow this to get out prior to your playoff game? I mean, think about that, Craig. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the psyche of a player going into this playoff game, oh, my gosh, there's talk now that they may want to trade me. So they were, they were going – he could go either way on this. He could just bail out or go out and have the game of his life, and he did play pretty well. He did 25 points pretty good. Yeah, plus the assists. Right. Very balanced scoring. But uh, I, I thought that was – the more I thought about it, how stupid it is to well, – somebody had to release something, Nick. You can't well, tell mean, me if, somebody if, made if, that up. If someone says, hey, look, in this offseason we got a new coach, we got a new front office, you can make any trade you want. That's probably what was said. Then they twist it. Oh, they can make any trade they want? Oh, that means they can probably trade Trey Young. Oh, if I make this the headline of my story, this will blow up. Hey, the Atlanta Hawks have the right to trade Trey Young. That was never, ever, that was just some clickbait that the media fell for right before the game. They said, hey, Trey Young, do not believe anything you're seeing. And Trey Young was like, all right, time what to ball out. What do you think, Craig? What do you think? You know, somebody could have leaked it to see, well, let's, let's see if it stimulates him to play better. I was thinking about that, too. You know, you know which way is he going to go with this? Right. Right. And and as it turned out, he went out and had a great game. I mean, the, the points notwithstanding, I, I like the way he moved the ball around and the assists he had and so forth. Because in the beginning of the game, he didn't really take over the game. It was so balanced. Their bench gave him 53 yeah. points. Yeah. By the way, great bench you can game. criticize Miami all you want, Nick. You sit behind a glass door so nobody can get to you. But does anybody have a better suntan than the Miami Heat basketball coach, Spolstra? Oh, Spolstra, yeah. He looked good. Hey, but what about the hair on Quinn Snyder? Those are both two handsome head coaches on the side. You had to bring the hair up, didn't you? <laughs> didn't you? You had to throw that in. No, there. he doesn't know that you have a lack of hair because you're yeah. wearing a hat. Yeah, well, that's true. I, that's why I wear a hat. It's a good thing we didn't play yeah. the national anthem here. You'd yeah, have to I take know. the hat off. I know. Right? Yeah. All right, so, all right, so the Hawks move on. They get the seventh seed. They play the Boston Celtics. And the loser of the game last night, Heat, will host on Friday the winner of tonight's Bulls and Raptors game. Now, we go to the West. Believe it or not, because I'm usually asleep by, what, 8.30? Oh, there's no doubt. Nine? There's no doubt. I couldn't sleep at all last night. Wow. I, I just I, I, Because I guess I had visions of you coming in and working with me. Yeah. I was so excited. So excited about I was. That. I, I just that. couldn't get it out of my system. Yeah. I'm like, I'm getting a chance to work with... Well, really a legend when it comes to uh, sports, Craig Kennedy. Backyard. So I stayed through the Lakers game. So at the end of the game, regulation, yeah. this was a really a seesaw game. Uh, Toronto had a big lead, and in the fourth quarter they went south. They only scored 12 points. That's 12 points. 12 points. Lots of turnovers. Yeah. I'll get to that in a second. So Dennis Schroeder hits a three with about a – Point was it 1.1 second to go, Nick? Was that what it was? Yeah, 1.1, 1.3. And of course, one of my pet peeves in the NBA is they call a timeout so they get the ball at midcourt. Right. All right. So that's fine. They inbound the ball to Mike yeah. Conley. Yeah. He's in the corner. He all you can do is catch and shoot because right. it was 1.1 second. Right. He gets it and shoots it up. He's going out of bounds. The ball hits the side of the backboard. Right. Yes. Game over. No. no. 
Anthony Davis fouled him. He stepped on his foot. To me, it didn't look like a foul, but nobody's complaining. So he hits the three free throws, and they send the game into overtime. Yeah. Tough making free, uh, three free throws that time of game. I'm not sure. There was .1 second to go. But, I mean, you can imagine the, 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 the Staples Center, the, the fans were going nuts after Schroeder's yeah. three, and all of a sudden, you know what it reminded me of? The Auburn game against Virginia in the Final Four. I was I was in this yes. Auburn, let's say, base bar. My son had taken me there. And Auburn, after the uh, – I forget the guy's name that missed the three – and everybody's jumping up and down. And when I'm like, hold it, something's not right here. Right. And they called the foul. Yep. And, of course, it was like, you know, putting a pin in a balloon. You know, the, the crowd, like, was stunned. And Virginia defeated Auburn yep. in that semifinal yep. game. That's what it reminded me of. Davis, and if you read the stories, foolish foul, I won't use some of the other terms that were used. Le- but LeBron the, used the term brain fart. Well, I was oh. going to say that, but see, Nick is more into the culture. See, I wouldn't have said that on the air. Right, right. But he doesn't care. No. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, he, he doesn't. Nick, his, Nick's young. Yeah. He, I, I normally would never bring up the word brain. Right, right. Especially not this early in the morning. Right. You hit brain and hair already this morning, Nick. Thank you very much. <laughs> see? And you're saying that he has to deal with me? Yeah, well, yeah. So the Lakers win in overtime, 108 to 102. But. And LeBron did play well. But I will say this. For all the nonsense I deliver about how the players basically go through the motions, there were, at the end of the game, a lot of turnovers, a lot of inbound plays right. that were stolen. And teams had trouble getting in. People might look at this and say, uh, garbage, ugly basketball. I looked at it the other way. They were hustling. They were really tearing after it. There were so many inbound plays near the end of the game and into overtime. I was impressed. That takes a lot. That takes a lot to impress you. You you have the reputation of devising good plays off inbounds to avoid steals. We've had pretty good success with that. Yeah, yeah, we really have. We I think we have we have one of the higher percentages in the country in in plays coming out of timeouts. So Nick, would you agree with me in that? At least to me, it looked like. These teams were going all out in this play-in game. And that's what I've always said, the difference between the regular season and the postseason. You right. see a higher level of uh, hustle out there. Yeah, I would sure agree with you on oh, that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Would sure I mean, you, you got to, right? If you're not going to start locking in and playing hard now, then when would you ever? Right. And did you know, here's a fun little fact. All the stats in the play-in, they don't count. That's right. I, they they don't found count that out the last playoffs. night. They don't count the regular season. So if LeBron were to have had 100 points last night, it technically just would be lost in history. I, I think I don't know why we haven't just added that on to playoff numbers yet. Well, they don't in baseball. They do in football. What do they do in hockey? Do they include it in hockey? I think they do. Yeah, I think they do. By the way, you want to give your hockey story from last night? My Boston Bruins setting the... Uh, Setting the record, the all-time record, with 133 points, 64 wins. First time in NHL history beat the, uh, I think it was the 76 Montreal Canadiens had the record. So, shout out to my Bruins. Yeah. Well, how come you don't, being from Canada, you don't root for a team in Canada? You know, probably when I was younger, I was naive, and I think I did cheer for, for Montreal. 
But, uh, you know, when Bobby Orr played, I remember staying up to watch Bobby Orr score, score the winning goal in, uh, in overtime with the pass from, from Derek Sanderson. And I was chastised by my parents for staying up past my bedtime to watch that. But, I mean, Bobby Orr was such a beautiful player. He was. I, I will give yeah. you that. He yeah. really was. I, I go way back before you when they had mean Teddy Green. Oh, yeah. And I was a huge Ranger fan, and I couldn't yeah. stand the Bruins. Yeah. Ted Green had a – what was his daughter's name? Karen. She was a beautiful girl. Went to school with her. Everybody was very, very leery to go. Did you, know, you date her? Everybody was very leery to go and ask her out because, you know, Teddy Green had a – metal plate in his head because you know he'd taken a stick to a head in a fight in fact they didn't think he would live after that fight and uh so everybody was a little bit leery of going to ask uh if they could date karen so would it be a disappointment to you with all these points and the, the record if they don't win the stanley cup yeah that'd be it'd be a big disappointment and they've been close so many times you know they've been, they've been a, a noble franchise but but have really come up short in, in the playoffs Craig, we're going to take a break. We're going to go to our traffic update. We're going to yeah. get a weather report. Okay. And I got a scoreboard to fill in all the basketball and baseball from yesterday. When we come back, we're going to set the stage for the morning show. You've got a couple of guests we're going to talk yeah. about later in the show. Okay. And I'm going to ask you, put your thinking caps on, how much would you pay or how much do you think a pair of Air Jordan sneakers went for at an auction Sneakers that he wore in the 1998 finals. Ooh, you just give some question. thought as to how much yeah. you think they would go for, all right? Okay. And, Nick, you can weigh in on that also. All right, let's take a break. The opening kickoff Wednesday featuring Craig Kennedy. Nick's here, so am I. Come right back. It is 616 WNSP and WNSP.com, Tom. Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5. Here's a 2 0. And that ball hit in the air. Deep out to right. It is gone. Jonah with a game winning homer. Catch the last name there, Heim? Yes, I did. No relationship, no relationship to Mark. No. Uh, catcher for the Rangers. Walk-off home run. We had a walk-off home run by Jai Guan Bai. I don't know if that's correct. But the Pirates beat the Astros 7-4. to Some college baseball yesterday. Alabama 13. Southern Miss nothing. Georgia Tech had a walk-off grand slammer in the 12th to beat Auburn 12-8. And the Jags, they played into the 8th inning. They suspended the game due to darkness. They were trailing 5-3. to three. Alabama State comes here next week. We'll see if they continue that game and then have the regular game. And then yesterday at Pat Galley Field, or Stan Galley Stan Field. Galley. Yeah, Pat's going to be with us Friday in our show. Beautiful. Uh, Mobile beat Spring Hill 18-4. to four. We're going to have the Spring Hill baseball coach joining us at 7, Walker, Walker Bullington. Great guy. Great guy. Had a 4.0 GPA. Is that what got him the job? I think it is, yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to him yesterday. He's been all over the world. Yes, he has. I mean, he's he's like, uh, I guess what you would call what? The, journeyman. A journeyman? Journeyman. Almost ended up in Canada playing, but the, the, when COVID hit, he ended up not, or managing, I guess, up there. Yeah. Not playing, yeah. So he'll be on the show today. You've got two guests coming on at the same time. That's a first. Who you do know, you got? Yeah, one right after another. We've got uh, Bob Starkey. Uh, associate head coach at LSU. He has been all over coach men's and women's basketball. 
probably one of the most respected coaches in the business. And then uh, Sam Purcell, who is the uh, head women's basketball coach at Mississippi State. It's his first head coaching job. He won his first game, won their first round of the NCAA tournament. So he is an up-and-comer in, uh, in women's basketball and just a great guy. Well, what's his background now? Well, Sam started out as what we call a crusher, um, which is like a student manager and, and played against, uh, played against, practiced against us uh, at Auburn. And uh, that's how that's how Sam got started working as a manager and as a crusher. And um, what's a crusher? Crushers. So the crushers are the guys. You know, in women's basketball, you can have a taxi squad of male players to play against the female basketball players. So Sam was one of the guys who would have to play against the uh, play against the women in practice. Also coming up at six thirty, Brian Bosarge, uh, NFL draft. Cool. Do you follow the draft? I follow, I follow the draft, and it's usually because Gus has gone out and left the door open. Gus he, is? My wonder dog. Gus the wonder dog went out and left the door open, so I get a draft that way. Oh, that's your draft. That's the draft. I got you. Yeah. Uh, Walker Burlington, Bullington is going to join us at 7, the Spring Hill baseball coach. They just got in on a long trip from Lemoyne Owen, and then they had to go back and play last night. Chris Corciani, do you remember, I remember him? the name? Yeah, you bet. Uh, former yeah. NBA player. player. Yeah. He's going to join us to talk cool. about the uh, playoffs. Chris Stewart, yep. the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He'll be on at 8 o'clock. All right. So yesterday it was reported, uh, and, and factually, and the connection, of course, you know, with the release of the movie Air. Yes. Does that have your interest at all? Very much so. Yeah, uh, you know we're a history guy, you and I. So um, air and, and of course Jordan. I had a buddy who he loved everything Jordan when when Jordan first came out. So yes. Did you ever really... deal with anybody in sneaker contracts? I'm familiar with Sonny Vaccaro. I don't know right. if I ever met him. I, it goes back a ways. I, I, I somehow I'm not sure. You know, in my days in New Jersey, if we ever crossed paths or anything. Oh, you like had that. to. Have. I'm sure you had to. Have. But he was all over the place yes, he was. Uh, with Nike, yep. and he's the catalyst that got Jordan tied in with uh, Nike, with Nike yep. and of course the rest is history, and now it's a movie. Right. So yesterday it was announced that a pair of sneakers worn in the second half of Game 2 of the 1998 uh, NBA Finals, I guess that was against Utah, take a guess at the price. Could you give us some parameters? It's over a million. Over a million. It's under three million. Under three. Let's say two point six. You want to weigh in, Nick, or you already know the answer? Uh, no, I don't know the answer, but I, I, I'll go with two point six. That seems like a decent guess. Two million two hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars—the highest wow. price ever paid at an auction. For a pair of sneakers. So now you're wondering, how did they come about? How did they get the sneakers? Well, apparently, Jordan gifted the sneakers to a Utah Jazz ball boy way back because the ball boy found Jordan's lost jacket. Oh, wow. And that's how this came about. Now, it's mind-boggling to me that anybody would spend that kind of money. I, I do you, do you have any memorabilia? I know your office is filled with a lot of stuff. Is any of it really valuable? Well, my dad always said a fool and his money are soon parted. And then he would always look at me anytime I'd bought something. So, you know, when you have that kind of expendable income, I mean, you know. You know, my first trip to the Baseball Hall of Fame, I was a youngster, maybe 10 or 11. I don't yeah. remember. So I came home and I went into the basement 
and started to put up my own little Hall of Fame. I think that yeah. lasted three days. <laughs> really? Oh, my gosh. And I, I could have had stuff in there had I saved it, had I known. But yeah. I didn't know. And I'm not a collector. Right. You ever, you got a sports memorabilia, buddy? Um, No, not really. But did, did you guys see the story about the 18-year-old kid who broke into Michael Jordan's mansion? No. no. Oh, wait, I did. That's right. That happened just about a week ago, right? Yeah. I wonder if he was trying to get some shoes and sell them after seeing uh, the price that those were going yeah. for. Yeah. Maybe he was, you know, a, a young entrepreneur, if you will. <laughs> did they catch the guy? Yes. Yeah. Well, and would they get a charge of trespassing? And don't they have, like, security, I would That's think, at his think. house? You and would think they'd have. Yeah, yeah. don't they have, like, his, housekeepers? Uh, Michael Jordan's mansion is surrounded by a giant gate with a big 23 on it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess he climbed over it or dug under it. Wow. Do you think Do you think if you had a place like that and you know people are going to want stuff, you put a moat with alligators yeah, around yeah. it? A moat wouldn't be a bad like idea. Like castles? And yeah, yeah. In olden days. Drawbridge, yeah, guards. You know, you would think they Doberman pincers, yeah, yeah, bulldogs. Good guards. <laughs> Speaking of animals, I got a good story about Deion Sanders. Yes, the coach at Colorado. Yes, this is right up your alley because you yeah. like animals. Yeah, I do like animals. All right, well, when we get a moment, probably at six fifty. Apparently, he had his first confrontation with Ralphie. Oh, you know who Ralphie is? Yeah, the Colorado yeah. Bison. Yeah, that parades on the field. Yes. All right, uh, Craig Kennedy sitting in. His first stint, long-time stint with WNSP. Yeah. Maybe a career being yeah. mapped and out my here. My dad said I had a face for radio. All right, we're going <laughs> to... I think a lot of people do. No All right, bad. we got Brian Bosarge, NFL draft coming up. I hope you got a lot of good at awesome. draft questions, awesome. not involving yeah. your dog. No, I'll, I do have some good questions. All right, very good. Yeah. That's coming up at 6.30, WNSP Sports Time, Wednesday morning, the opening... You couldn't find Roger Goodell saying we're on the clock. That's what I was waiting for, Nick. Did you find Roger saying we're on the clock? We're getting close. April 27th, NFL draft. Huge, huge. Now you're not you're not an NFL junkie, I know, right? You don't follow all that. I'm a Raiders fan. Always have been a Raiders fan. And you got the Raider colors on. I now. got the Raider colors. Always, always like. In fact, when we had a really good team in Winnipeg, we were called the L.A. Raiders of women's basketball. Yeah. Something I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. I know Brian Bosarge is on with me. Deep Fried Draft, uh, Draft Countdown. Brian, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, 15 days until Christmas. Yeah. Let's, this, let's get at it. Yes, sir. Give me your top five right now in order. Oh, man. You know, two weeks ago, I would have said uh, CJ Stroud won to Carolina. I now think it's about a 50-50 proposition that Bryce Young ends up uh, going one to Carolina now, and that kind of sets a chain reaction off. Uh, but I feel I'm just to, for the sake of argument, I'll stick with Stroud at one. Um, go with Bryce Young at two to the Texans. Three, Arizona's going to trade. I don't know with who yet. I think it's some very interesting scenarios that could play in there. Uh, if it's a quarterback, I think it's Anthony Richardson. I firmly believe now, you know, in, in my head, I can't shake the fact that we have two uh, to three teams that could really use Will Anderson in the top ten that could actually trade up with Arizona, being Seattle at five, Detroit at six, 
um, and Philadelphia at 10 could all package. They've all got multiple first-round picks. They've all got a lot of extra draft capital. I could see them moving up with Arizona at pick three to because uh, Arizona needs a lot of picks. So their team is awful. So them moving down, you know, just to stock the shelves a little bit, you know, a team moving up for Will Anderson. And you got the Colts picking whichever quarterback they wanted for, be it Richardson or Will Levis. And then, you know, Seattle doesn't pick at five. Uh, they could, if Will Anderson's still on the board, think they'd go there. They'd go Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech edge rusher, or Jalen Carter, the uh, decent swimmer from Georgia. If you were in charge of the draft for a particular team and had the first choice, would you go Stroud, Bryce Young, or Richardson? Uh, I would probably go with C.J. Stroud. Like I said, it's very close in my evaluation between him and Young. I think if you look for like pure football intelligence and um, accuracy and just demeanor, I think Bryce Young's your guy. But I can't shake the 108. I mean, he's he basically looks like Devontae Smith did coming out of school with his frame. But, you know, as a quarterback, where he's going to probably take a lot more abuse in an NFL pocket than he did at Alabama. That worries me a little bit. I mean, Bryce Young is an outlier of outliers at the quarterback position. It's never been done a quarterback his size selected in the first round of the NFL draft. So, you know, a lot of NFL teams are scared off by that one-of-one type player scenario. That's why I think Stroud would probably be my guy. Plus, I mean, the drop-off from Young to Stroud isn't significant as far as all those things that I lined up. So I think I would go with C.J. Stroud. Is there a player that in the last couple of weeks that has just jumped up out of nowhere? to be a first-rounder? There's 20 players that all of a sudden you're seeing mocked in the first round that, you know, it's just that time of year. It's the nature of the beast. The one that's significantly, you know, as far as headline grabbing would probably be Hendon Hooker, the quarterback in Tennessee, almost became an afterthought because of the ACL injury in November. Um, But... There's reports that he could be ready to go by week one. I, I, I don't think he plays week one of the NFL because, you know, you're going to need time and practice or whatever. But I still think he starts on the uh, pup list, which means you have to miss the first six weeks of the season. But uh, I think Hendon Hooker is that name. Teams want to get uh, maybe draft him late in that first round. Teams like Minnesota, you know, who could be moving on from Kirk Cousins after this season, you know, essentially redshirting Hendon Hooker this year, but you get the fifth-year option. On a quarterback, um, that that's a, a, a tempting uh, carrot there to dangle in front of those teams. So Hendon Hooker is probably the name that I, I, I keep seeing more and more coming into the first round now that you didn't a few weeks ago. Brian, before we continue, tell our listeners how they can follow your draft. Um, you can follow all of my work. I'll put it out on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft or go to DraftCountdown.com where me, myself, and my other partners, we're, we're got content coming out every day of the week uh, between now and the draft. And on draft day, 15 days from now, we'll have uh, two full seven-round mock drafts on there, one for myself, one for my partner, Shane, who's been on your show before. Um, Shane has a a seven-round mock draft comes out every two weeks. He'll have another one coming out on Monday. So it's it's all this great. He's got actually got – he'll have scouting reports coming out on over four – 1,400 players that's kind of been releasing slowly through the last few days. So you pick first to the last guy, Mr. Irrelevant? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, I've never done it before. So this so seven round mock draft will be the first one I've ever done. Shane does that and has done that all season long. Well, last year it was Brock Purdy, and obviously we know what happened with him. Who's Mr. Irrelevant this year? <laughs> oh, let's 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 have some fun and let's just say let's let's change positions here. We'll call it a uh, we'll put a senior bowler in there, and we'll say uh, Appalachian State linebacker Nick Hampton is Mr. Irrelevant this year. You know what? If you're right on that one, you deserve a raise. That's really good. All right. First running back to be drafted will be? Oh, oh it's going to be B. John Robinson from Texas. I don't think that's up for debate at all. You know, it, it, with B. John Robinson, it just depends on how high. He's he's considered the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson in 2007. At worst, he's the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley um, five years ago. What about Tank Bigsby? I think Tank Bigsby's going to end up, uh, you know, some, depending on how some teams value his potential special teams role, I think you could see Tank Bigsby coming off the board um, late in the third round. Uh, at worst, probably uh, he'll be one of the first players taken on day three of the draft. How many Alabama players do you have going in the first round? Oh, let's see. We have, uh, Bryce Young, obviously. I think Brian Branch, the safety slash nickel corner, goes in the first round. Um, and Will Anderson, for sure. I think those those three I, I can feel comfortable locking down. Um, a fourth that could sneak in, depending on how high B. John Robinson goes and depending on how some of the other board falls. Jameer Gibbs could sneak into that back in the first round and give us a second running back. Um, but for sure, I feel confident about the first three, Branch, Young, and Anderson. Brian, this is Craig Kennedy. Um, what's the biggest jump, the biggest transition for a guy coming from college going to the pros like for a running back? Pass blocking. Because a lot of them aren't asked to do it. It's just not something that they're taught. The, 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 the different angles that they have to take to, to pass block in the NFL is nothing they've ever seen in college. It's, right. it's because you don't see the crazy amount of blitzes that you do. Uh, even in the SEC, you don't see these because they're not – the defenders aren't ready to handle those kind of schemes until they get to the NFL. So much less the offense doesn't have to block those schemes. In the NFL, you're going to see guys coming from different angles and everything, and you're at, you'll be asked to come all the way across. And this plot's tight ends as well, not just running backs that they're just not asked to do that kind of blocking at the collegiate level that they're going to be asked to do at the NFL. And that's really what separates the guys. That's why you'll see some of these running backs that have great success at college and you think will be great NFL runners, they end up not having that kind of success because they can't pick up the blocking schemes. Gotcha. What's the time frame for, for a, a rookie stepping into the league to learn those and to become effective in their position? I mean, it could be a year. You know, especially at the tight end position, because those—that's one of the positions where it, it it almost seems like it takes at least a year to develop. You very rarely see a tight end almost have instant success. That's why Kyle Pitts was the first tight end uh, to have over a thousand yards receiving as a rookie since Mike Ditka. Wow. So, I mean, the tight end is the is the hardest. Almost seems the hardest position to trans transition you see running backs have a lot of early success running the ball and catching the ball they, they can put up the yardage but 
teams are a lot less trusting of those guys. Maybe they get it like halfway through the season with the pass blocking aspect, but they can still have success, you know, yardage wise because you know it's C lane run. You know, yeah. catch ball run. Right. You know, but the blocking part of it is a bit of a struggle. But tight ends is uh, seems like the biggest uh, transition hurdle for for players to have instant success. Uh, and, and people don't realize we see this with basketball, especially with a guy like like Steph Curry. You know, kids see him shoot and they think, "Man, this is so easy. I can do it." They don't realize the amount of work and the special level of athlete these guys are. So for a rookie running back learning in NFL schemes. What kind of work is he going to have to put in beyond the football field in order to learn these things? Oh, just hours upon hours a week. It's 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 you're in that you 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 want to latch on to to any your coach, your quarterback, whoever whoever you can. You want to put in that film work, you know, all day, and that and that's what separates. And you always hear it. You know, this guy with quarterbacks here, he's a junkie on the whiteboard, yeah. right? You know. Figuring out something. Those guys are the ones that have success. Those are the ones that put in the work. This is your job now. Right. So you're going to want to put in 60, 70 hours a week to maximize your success. You want to stay, you know, in the, you know, getting your treatment done and everything like that. Everything that happens, that's the, that's the one that's separate. It's, it's not just, you know, natural talent can carry you through high school, can get you that college uh, scholarship, and can carry you through college. It's, once you get to the NFL level, that is your job now, and you have to put in the work or you're not going to last. Yeah, yeah. I was looking through draft busts, top top three in the last couple of years. All have been quarterbacks. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, Paxton Lynch, and Josh Rosen. What, what stops those guys from having good college careers and not being able to make it in the NFL? Because I, sure, I would think they would have the work ethic and everything – you know that everybody else has to at that level, especially like you said with quarterbacks. But what stops what stopped those kind of guys from from making it the NFL? I can't speak. To, you know, with, with Trubisky, and I think there's just people needing quarterbacks, and Trubisky kind of like because I mean he he went ahead of Patrick Mahomes in yeah. that in that draft yeah, number class, two which, number two draft. You know, you look you look at that on the face of it, it, it's like how does this happen, right? Right. You know, but. Like with Josh Rosen, and I love Josh Rosen as a prospect, based just purely on physical skills and passing ability. He was my number one quarterback in that class. He's wow. been he's played for seven NFL teams now and is out of the league. Right. You start stuff that I as a I don't want to call myself an amateur analyst, but I mean that's what I am. I'm not in the NFL rooms. I have no. I don't have access to the information that they have. Right. I did not know like some of the mental stuff that blocked him. Paxton Lynch was another one uh, that, that you start seeing reports of as, as he starts failing. And then these reports start getting leaked out, by, be it by the teams that are just trying to say, hey, this is why we messed up or, or why he may have failed or whatever. But with Josh Rosen, there was sort of a selfishness and attitude issue. Paxton Lynch was, he loved to play video games way too much. And you've heard that come out with Kyler Murray now. Yeah. You know, is, is, a, is a detriment to him as well, video games. So it's like this is the stuff that we don't know until until we know, right? right. And then it kind of explains some issues. Brian Bosarge joining us. Uh, got just a few more minutes. Uh, from South Alabama, Luter and Jalen Wayne, where do you have them in your mock draft? Uh, Daryl Luter, I think, depending on – 
how we see a run of corners go. I think because of he answered he answered questions about his speed. I think that was the major uh, you know concern about him before the combine. Then he runs a four four six. The rest of his athletic testing was really good. I think and his his tape is great. So I think Daryl Luter could end up in that late third round area just because the, the sheer number of corners in this draft is unbelievable. If this is the year, if you need to attack that position as an NFL team, this is the year for you because you're going to be able to get great players into the into day three. I think that's going to be able to play the position early. Uh, Jalen Wayne, I think um, probably going to if he if he's selected, I think it's going to be late. Um, as a sixth, seventh round pick, uh, probably he could end up, you know, being one of those priority free agents, you know, that ends up attempting to make a team as an undrafted player. Um, but he, he's a, he's really reliable uh, over the middle, catching the football. I think he's going to be uh, has a chance to be a good slot receiver in the NFL. But I just think receivers another position where you know he could get lost in the numbers game. Do you have the two? Players from uh, McGill Tulin, uh, Bennett and Marshall, going in your mock draft. Uh, who was the second? I heard you call him Bennett. Yeah, uh, Carlton Marshall. Oh, Carlton Marshall won't get selected. Uh, his his size, he's he's five, five seven linebacker. That was already dropping him. Then, you know, he's had some injury issues. He's an older prospect, and he was one of the worst testing players at his position. Carlton Marshall, he's not going to be selected in, in this draft. I feel fairly confident about that, despite being the all-time FCS leading tackler. Um, Jacory and Bennett, my God, what speed. He's got 4-3 speed, 40-plus inch vertical leap. Uh, I think he's a, such a versatile player. Uh, I, I, if, if you're a team that likes Brian Branch from Alabama as a potential slot corner, uh, free safety type, and you can't get Ryan Branch. I think Jacorian Bennett is a great fallback option for you in round three, maybe even round four. I think you know he's going to make a team contribute on special teams. Like I said, can can play multiple positions in the NFL. Um, so I, I really like Jacorian Bennett as a player. I was really impressed with him as a senior bowl. Brian, we're going to let you go, and we'll catch up to you next week. We really appreciate it. Great stuff, as always. And, uh, again, people can subscribe to Deep Fried uh, Draft. How? Well, you don't have to subscribe, but, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft and go to draftcountdown.com uh, for everything. we got a fun little mock draft contest running. The information that will be up uh, in just about an hour or so, a chance for uh, your listeners to make a little money. Oh, good. like that. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good day. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, our championship drive uh, this week takes us out to UMS Wright, uh, Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, and Dr. Christopher Mullenix, um, a good friend and also a uh, oral surgeon who I've been to many, many times for my dental implants, so I feel confident in uh, recommending them. Mm-hmm. You don't need my recommendation. You don't need my referral. You don't need a referral. Uh, you just give them a call at 471 471- 3381 located at 715 downtowner boulevard they've impressed me there with their professionalism and attention to detail team at mobile oral facial surgery they provide facial trauma knocked out teeth wisdom teeth dental implants jaw surgery and much much more again uh, 471 
3381. We'll take a break right now. We'll come back. It is currently a 6.51 WNSP Sports Time. Wednesday, April the 12th, the opening kickoff featuring Craig Kennedy, the basketball coach at Spring Hill College, and also a one-time assistant at Auburn for the women's team. So he can go men, women. He's all over the place. You're a renaissance guy. I love it. All right. We'll come right back, continue our conversation. Hey, this is Stuart Fink for the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNFB Sports Radio in Mobile. We knocked it down. It's unfortunate that AD had a brain fart and messed his game winner up. He hears you. Uh, I messed his game winner up. I apologize. I definitely apologize. Apology accepted. All right, we had LeBron there. We had Anthony Davis there. Uh, James having some fun with Anthony Davis. You can have fun when you win. And that's what happened yesterday with the Lakers winning, although Anthony Davis, a very foolish foul at the end of the the regulation. We've uh, talked a lot about Aiden Marks, the Medicare insurance advisors. He's been in the Medicare business for more than 12 years, and this is what you need to know. If you have any questions, especially if you're close to the age of 65, some of us like me are way over, but many of you uh, may be looking down the road at Medicare and coverage and what's available out there. Here's Aiden Marks uh, available to talk to you at no cost, never a fee for his services. His office is conveniently located in Daphne and Highway 98, and you can go see him, set up a remote meeting, or he can come see you. So if you aren't getting help on what to do, with your insurance or if your company has been enrolling online with no explanation, Aiden Marks is the one to talk to at 463-0031. That's 463-0031. Kind of uh, got a limited time here. We're going to talk about the portal, but not just yet because, like I said, we're going to run out of time. But I wanted to ask you, there's a story floating around that DeMarcus Cousins, who played at LaFleur, had a very nice NBA career is trying to revive his professional career. So he's going to go to Puerto Rico for the Puerto Rican Professional League, hoping this could pave the way to get back in the NBA. Is that a good move on his part? I think if you love playing the game, Puerto Rico is a fun place to go and play. Can it revive you to get back in, in, into the NBA? I, boy, I don't know about that. I, I mean, you have, to be, you have to be effective at every level that you go up, whether it's middle school to high school, high school to, to college, college to the pros. You have to, you have to be effective and you have to have a value. He's had injuries galore. Yeah. Is he, do you think down the road he's serviceable, that he can still play the game at the high level? I, you know, I guess maybe in limited minutes. But, I mean, it, people don't realize the level of athleticism and talent in there, even the guys sitting on the bench, you say, "Oh, you know, the, the average fan watches guy says, man, this guy's not very good. He sucks.' These guys are so highly talented, and they're, they're just superb athletes. Uh, and, and the wear and tear on that season on your body, maybe he had spot minutes somewhere he could be effective because he was a very talented player. We're going to get to conversation you have with your players about the portal, but Demarcus Cousins. There was a story that came out yesterday where he went in to see John Calipari after his freshman year. And he said in three minutes, he had a very short conversation with Calipari. He decided to turn pro. But the reason he did, 
He said Calipari talked him into it. He actually wanted to come back to Kentucky for another year, although I'm not sure if I believe that. But right. he says he wanted to get back to Kentucky. Calipari sat with him and in three minutes said basically this. If you would like to go out and support your family, you turn pro. Right. You want to take care of your family. If you yeah. want to take care of me, come back for another year. Right. And that was it. The writing was on the wall, and he yeah. decided to turn pro. I mean, how do you turn down that amount of money? You can always go back to school. You know, this notion, you you know, get your degree first. Listen, if that opportunity is there and you can be effective at that level, I mean, why wouldn't you do it? You can go back to school. All right, we got a uh, headlines. Uh, we got the uh, new baseball coach at Spring Hill, Walker Bullington. Bullington, Bullington, yeah. He's going to join us, and maybe you have a question or two for him. Yeah, you bet. Also in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, Former NBA star Chris Corciani, yeah. uh, and he certainly has a, a big resume in uh, playing. He'll give us his thoughts on the postseason, load management, and everything else NBA-ish. Chris Stewart at 8, and then uh, Craig's lined up a couple of uh, basketball coaches at 8.30. So coming attractions on WNSP and WNSP.com. It is currently 7 o'clock. Opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, Mark's uh, on vacation till Friday. I've said that many times. Nick's behind the glass. And Craig Kennedy, gracious enough to spend three hours with us. Excited Even though it. he's still practicing basketball, I don't know, you, you got a game coming up soon? I mean, you guys are always, yeah, every no, time I call, we, you're at practice. Yeah, we, we work hard. Or is that I'm a way right. to just say you don't want to talk no, to me? No, I always like talking to you. you know, our guys have a great work ethic. You know, we're allowed this time of year, we're allowed four hours a week skill sessions. So we do a lot of skill work with the guys, a lot of fundamentals. Very good. All right, headlines, Lakers, they, they were down by 15. They battled back, and in overtime, they uh, beat... Uh, Minnesota 108 to 102. So what that means, the Lakers are now the seventh seed. They'll face Memphis to open up the uh, NBA playoff series, and then uh, the T Wolves will get a home game Friday against the winner of tonight's game between the Thunder and the Pelicans. Meanwhile, the Hawks uh, defeated Miami, and they get the seventh seed, and they get the Boston Celtics. So um, Miami's still with a, a chance to get the eighth seed. They'll have to face the winner of tonight's Chicago-Toronto game. We mentioned about DeMarcus Cousins, played at LaFleur. Uh, he is going into the Puerto Rican Professional League. In baseball, uh, the Rays break them up 11 straight to open up the season, set a major league or tied a major league record for most home runs in their first 11 games. And have you ever seen Otani pitch for the Angels? I have not. Oh, my goodness. He's not. unbelievable. Yesterday, seven innings gave up one hit. And he has now set an angel record for most starts, allowing two or less runs. He also played yesterday as a DH, and he went one for four. So he's having uh, quite the start to the season. Let's bring in the uh, Spring Hill baseball coach, uh, Walker Bullington. Walker, good morning. How are you today? 
I'm doing well. Good morning. Before thank we you g- for having me. Thank you for joining us. You, of course, very familiar with Craig Kennedy, basketball coach at Spring Hill. And, and, and you're, as you travel around, are there? we saw, uh, let's say, a Division II player, Indianapolis, the other day, hit for the cycle and pitched a no-hitter. Do you see a lot of two-way players in college baseball in your travels? Uh, yes, we actually have several. Um, you just mentioned Otani. Uh, that's pretty Otani-like to go out and have have a no-no and a cycle in the same game. I've never seen that before. So it's a decent little uh, decent little day's work for the kid. Um, we have a few two-way guys, but it's, it's tough. You know, as the level continues to get tougher, to be able to to excel in both. Uh, but we have a couple guys that do a pretty good job with it. But you see a lot of it in high school. You're usually your best pitcher in high school also plays shortstop or something like that, and is one of your base hitters. So why why can't that continue into college? Just time, um, you know, the ability to get repetitions at both, the ability to kind of have that singular focus. Because we, we always kind of talk about it with the guys: is as you continue to get better at this game, your results get worse and worse. It's that weird part of baseball where you know you're going to get paid a, a quarter of a billion dollars if you fail 70 percent of the time so in a game of failure you know you have to dedicate so much time to, to whether it be offense or defense and you have to be a pretty special player to be able to be successful at both at, at the college level and then on past the college level that's why otani is is such a rarity nice walker what's the what's the biggest jump for kids going from from high school to to college and then from college getting getting into the minor leagues from high school to college honestly and we talk about this you know with our recruits it's not that the fastballs are now 96 you know they're, they're going to see some some velocity in high school they're going to see you know some good breaking balls obviously the talent level is going to be a jump but it's just the pace of play attention to detail um and the speed of play um you know no longer is an infielder can you can you field it you know tap the glove a couple times and throw it you got to get it and spit it um you know pickoff moves are better the first and third you know move trying to go first and third on the ball in the outfield the arms from the outfield are better it's just just like anything it's it's the speed of the game the the processing is a little bit quicker, and uh, you got to be able to take advantage of mistakes at the plate. you got to make less mistakes on the mound because uh, you tend to get away with it a little bit less. Nice. You're, you're, you're following a legend, which is, which is not easy to do in any sport. How, how do you want to define your tenure at, at Spring Hill? I mean, the, the biggest thing I would say is, is just competitive and, and playing a brand that people appreciate, um, going out every day, having really good kids that compete, that get after it, you know, that, that go out every day and, and try to be the best, the best that they can be for Spring Hill, their teammates, our program. Um, you know, we're in the midst of, of year one and, and trying to get these guys to, to get comfortable. And I think we've had, we've had some ups and downs early here. Um, pretty talented we got to get a little bit more depth but these guys have worked really hard we have good kids um, you know we play a different brand than they were used to before we still want a bags. Uh, it's a little bit more fast fast pace high energy and uh you know it, that, that's the biggest thing we've been working on is just kind of continuing to stay the course continuing to work um and and see where we go Nice. How's your how's your recruiting going to shift? Because you said I think you you got one guy who's about to set the record at Spring Hill for steals. So how's your recruiting going to shift to get the players you need for your style of play? 
Well, uh, you know, it's tough. We, we don't want to get so singular-minded that we go after only speed because uh, we have some guys that don't run real well uh, that have a lot of bags. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, in, in this case, it's really about, you know, getting a read, getting a look, getting a timing, um, being able to pick something up off the opposing guy. So it's really about looking for speed or guys that can do it. But we also want to build a, a group to where, you know, we love left-handed hitters. We need a couple power guys, um, some guys that can move it gap to gap, some guys that can handle the bat well, whether it be drag, push, um, and try to mix that line up. Our whole offense constant pressure on it. That's something that we've done. You know, we scored about nine runs a game this year, uh, which is pretty impressive. And when we go recruit, number one is just, um, you know, uh, having hardworking kids. And number two, having having a tool or a couple tools tools that they bring to the table that, that we feel like we can piece together and put in a lineup that works together. You know, we kind of look at the lineup as one through nine, uh, you know, not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So uh, having those tools, and, and it's going to shift every year. You know, the biggest thing with the recruit right now is, is, is arms. You know, we, we struggle in the bullpen, um, and that's the biggest thing at this level. You've got to have, you know, bets on the mound, and, and from there, um, that's that's where your ball team usually has its most success is having the ability to roll out a multitude of arms in a 50 game season with you know it's sometimes six games a week now walker bullington joining us on the morning show how did okay i talked to you yesterday you had a three-game sweep of lemoyne owen uh doing very well in the conference but then you come home and had to play mobile last night they're ninth rated at naia how did things go last night walker uh not well um up four to, so again, kind of the story of our year. Um, you know, it's it's been tough at times. We're trying to keep our guys, you know, keep our guys in it. We'll go on the weekend. We'll sweep. Uh, we've had a lot of losses. We were up, you know, Montevallo, West Florida, Columbus State, a lot of good teams. Um, you know, we were up. We were up three to one in the seventh at West Florida. Uh, dropped that game. We were up five to nothing at at Montevallo in the fifth. Uh, we were up four to three in the sixth um, last night. Kind of the same old story. We've seen it eight or nine times. You know, uh, played really well. Um, stole a couple of bags. Had a really good start out of our midway guy. Um, defense was good. Got to the top of the sixth. Went to the bullpen, and uh, kind of a, a comedy of errors after that point. You know, um, Mobile's a really good team. Um, they played well. Swung it well. We also. You know, just couldn't finish that game off. Um, and that's kind of been the story of our year. You know, and like I said, you know, being being in year one, we we got to have a couple guys step up here down the home stretch and head into the playoffs um, out of the bullpen. And 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 obviously, you know, we've got to figure out ways as a staff to to get the best out of these guys and and, and figure out what we need to do to kind of close games off defensively. You're a worldwide traveler, I understand. You've been all over the uh, world. Uh, what's your favorite place to go? I, and I assume most of these travels had to do with baseball? Yes, uh, every one of them. Um, I've never been on an airplane until I was 18 years old. So the answer to question one would be Russellville, Tennessee. Uh, i got to say that. I'll get in trouble with my mama. So i got to go Russellville, Tennessee. is my favorite. Um, and then uh, it's tough, man. Um, I've been to so many places and enjoyed it so much. Um, you know, met, met my wife and, and ended up traveling the world. She's a coach. I'm a coach. Uh, but it's been D.C., Atlanta, New York, California, Singapore, Puerto Rico, South Dakota, South Carolina, 
um, Alabama, Illinois. We, we've kind of been all over the place. My wife is from England. Um, I would say it's Russellville, Tennessee, um, England, a close number two, and, and probably Singapore. Worked over there coaching baseball for a year, and, and, and it was beautiful, man. Really enjoyed Southeast Asia. You must have a lot of travel points on flights, huh? Build up a, a big cachet of them? Um, she does. I, I, I'm still of the mold where I just get told what to pack and, and what time we're leaving. I just kind of follow her when I get told what to do. I'm not a, I'm not a good planner when it comes to the worldwide travel, but uh, we, uh, we've had a really good time, man. It's been blessed to go to go see the world through baseball, which is, you know, it's not lost on me how how cool that can, you know that really is. Uh, before I let you go, what do you got coming up this weekend? Uh, we've got more house here, weather coming in. Um, so we, we now have two Friday, one Saturday, big series. Um, you know, as much as we struggled in the midweek, we've played extremely well on the week uh, on the weekends, and um, we are in a really tight race with Albany State. We need to uh, we need to take care of business this weekend, and we have Albany State at home last series of the year. Um, we have Morehouse and Benedict in between them, and they have. They have Miles and Kentucky State, so it's a really close race here. Uh, there's a good chance that that we're playing um, we're playing for the for the conference title at, at Spring Hill last conference series of the year. So, uh, you know, give the guys a day off tomorrow with the weather, uh, kind of reassess, get after this thing, go out and try to take three this weekend. Walker, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it. Uh, success down the road. We'll check in with you later. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, All right. Big hill, yeah. All right. We've got a uh, weather report coming up. As you heard, he kind of gave the, the weather report ahead of it. Uh, we've got uh, traffic and an updated scoreboard. And then uh, we're going to talk about the portal. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows about the portal, but does it affect Division Two, of which Spring Hill is a member? You'll, you'll be interested to find out. Yes, it does. And uh, Craig will address that when we come back. For Nick Craig, I'm Lee Shervanian. The Wednesday opening kickoff coming up at 7.30. NBA conversation with former NBA player Chris Corciani. Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. his fourth straight game with a home run. It's amazing. And Tampa ties a major league record for 29 home runs in the first 11 games. Incredible start, 11-0 and 29 home runs. Whoever thought the Rays would hit that many home runs. That's that's amazing. It really that's is. Amazing. Too bad baseball doesn't catch on with the fans down there, but that's yeah, another story. Yeah. No. Let's catch on with uh, Roy Hudson, Community Bank, my good friend. Roy, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well this morning. How are you doing, Lee? Good. What did you take away from the Auburn uh, A-Day game? Well, I think it's been the same over the last couple of years. I think there's a lot of uh, questions at uh, quarterback and a lot of questions at receiver. And, you know, I was, I was out there looking in the transfer portal, and I don't think there's any names out there yet. So hopefully a few will pop out, and, and Auburn will have a chance at maybe bringing in a, uh, an experienced quarterback because apparently what we have on, on the team right now is just uh, – 
not uh, performing like the, the Coach Freeze would hope so. So uh, do you feel better about Auburn this spring than you did last spring when Brian Harrison was there? I do. You know, the I think the offensive line has improved a lot. I know they brought in three three people, and uh, those three positions I think were both tackles in the center. So I think we're going to have a little bit better experience, a little uh, some better athletes out there on the offensive line, and then obviously our our running backs has always been a strength. But yeah, I think I feel a little bit better just uh, with some of the additions that they brought in. But it's still the same questions like we just talked about on receiver and, and quarterback the Leafs. That leaves a little bit to be desired, I believe. All right, let's uh, let's give some information about Community Bank. What's going down there at Gulf Shores? You know, we talked about that late. Seems like we've been talking about that for a few months, but I think we're getting near the completion of that. I've seen some pictures and plan on going down next week, but uh, hopefully we'll get that thing opened up in May. It's just a beautiful facility right down on 59 in, uh, in the heart of Gulf Shores. So we're looking forward for that coming online and serving our customers down there. Is this a good time to uh, put our money in a community bank? Oh, yes. Uh, rates are, are really up right now in terms of the depositors, and it has been for a little bit with the uh, with the rising interest rates. So it's always a good time to come in and talk to one of our experienced team members for, uh, for your financial needs. Or they can reach us at 338-7707. Roy, have a great day. We'll check in with you later. Certainly appreciate it. Certainly uh, college basketball, the, the end of the season, but is it? Uh, every day you read about a, another player in the transfer portal. And I've seen a, a lot of Division II players now going on to Division One. Has has the portal an issue with Spring Hill College? Y- yes, it is. We've had several players go on the portal over the last couple of years. Uh, we lost two players this year to the portal. There were over 2,800 guys in the portal as of yesterday. And you know, as a coach, do you go through all of? I mean, do you have a chance to get any of these Division One players come into? We haven't Hill? had good success with guys coming from Division One here. Um, you know, we've had a couple and guys coming off injuries, and we thought, okay, we'd be able to pick them up. And and sometimes a Division One guy coming here thinks this will be easy at Division Two, and they find out, whoa, this is a different level of talent than I think it is. Um, it's tough because, I mean, you're dealing with ego. Right, a guy's at Division One now. He's going down to Division Two, and there's not a big difference in many ways with a lower Division One and an upper Division Two team as far as the talent and stuff. Okay, so you told me one of your better players is leaving for the portal. Yes, yes, he is. You yeah. want to talk about that? Yeah. No, I really don't want to. Talk you don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about. It. I'm really happy for him because you know our goal in our program is um, is to help kids get to the next level in life, and whether that that is going to up to division one um and um but we've we've had a guy and it's it's not official official yet until obviously the ink is dried but he will be going division one and we're very happy for him in that regards so you can't say it but i can his first name is burl Uh, that would be a very accurate and he's going to the West Coast? He's going to the West Coast. How does that happen? I, he had I mean, form- from Spring Hill to Cal Fullerton? Yeah, former former teammate out there. Yeah, so a guy who knew him and, and, and went out there. And he, you know, Brill was a, an HBCU All-American for us. We've had two HBCU All-Americans in, in my four years with the program. And um, he put up good numbers against Division One teams. And that's, you know, that's a really good way to look at it. He was first team uh, all-conference this year. So how much time do you spend in the portal? We spend a fair amount because, you know, we start looking through guys who's in there and stuff like that. There's a lot of movement at the D2 level, probably uh, close to half the guys in the portal are D2 guys. 
And you'll find guys in there, you know, been to three different high schools. He's in there three different colleges. And, you know, obviously this is a person who's not happy for whatever reason anywhere there. You think it's ever going to change? I, there will be some changes coming. I, mean, I think there's going to have to be. Craig, we're going to talk NBA. Chris Corciani on deck, a former NBA player with Washington and Boston, once drafted by Orlando, played overseas. He is our next guest. It is 7.30, WNSP Sports Time, WNSP.com. Looking forward to having Chris on. And speaking of Chris, Chris Stewart, the voice of Alabama sports, mm. will be joining us at 8 o'clock. Nice. tonight 116 105 the final Trey Young thank you very much for I taking can't a hear few you, minutes. Trey, I can't hear you uh, appreciate it uh, uh, <laughs> yes sir Zach. we heard him didn't we Nick we heard what Trey Young did yesterday that's right uh, uh, that's the sound of a hawk rising up man it sound more like an albatross or like a, a, a sick pigeon maybe yeah yeah, that, those are big numbers yesterday. And, you know, like you talked about earlier, uh, the trade rumors and stuff, maybe that was a, a bit of an impetus for his uh, his output. Yeah, we talked about makes diamonds. Yeah. There Listen you go. to these one-liners. Fast yeah. and furious. Yeah. Do we have uh, Chris ready to go? Chris Corciani, uh, former NBA player, uh, drafted by Orlando, played Boston, Washington, played a lot of overseas. He was a standout at North Carolina State. Chris, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Doing, doing great. Hope you guys are. We are, and we have a lot of NBA people here. Craig Kennedy, the head coach of the Spring Hill Men's. Uh, Nick's a diehard Hawks fan. I'll start out. We'll go right to the uh, right to the finish. Who do you like getting to the uh, postseason finals? You know, I, I, I think in the East, um, you know, I, I really like Philly. You know, I think they've got the MVP and Joel Embiid. I think they kind of have a, a, a nice first round against the Nets. You know, and Milwaukee, the number one seed, that's the favorite, obviously. But, you know, to me in the East, I like the Sixers. Man, going and against your old Celtics? Yeah, yeah, I think this is the year that, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of catch him late in the uh, the game before the finals. And, and I, I, I see, I just think it's Joel and Beach having such a, a banner year. Um, you know, I see a little bit of rebirth in, in Harden once these playoffs start, and I just think it's going to be Philly's year. West, who's going to make it to the West Finals? I tell you, the West is so interesting because you look at, you know, you look at Denver, and they had, you know, a great year. You know, they were solid, they were consistent. You know, they didn't have uh, the, the number of injuries that a, a lot of the other teams had, but. You know, I, I look at a team like Sacramento, and gosh, you know, they had a good year, a three-seed. But, you know, I still think that to win the West, you know, Steph Curry and that gang, you got to go through them. You know, so, so I, I like Golden State and, and obviously Phoenix with the addition of Kevin Durant. Um, 
you know, they're good. But it's, it's really amazing if you look at the, the one and two seeds, even the three seeds in the West, you could probably say Denver, you know, you know but, but it's a shame that a team like Sacramento that had such a good regular season, they get matched up against uh, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors in the first round. That makes it tough. Listen, you know, you, you were a tremendous player at NC State with Coach Valvano. I think you were the first 1,000-assist player uh, in, in the NCAA. You look at some franchises that they're always the bottom feeders in the NBA. What's the difference between the top franchises and everybody else? Why can't some of these bottom? I mean, Sacramento has, has never been a great team. Golden State rose up to be a great team. What, what does it take to, to put a franchise together and, and make them successful? I mean, I think that's a, that's a really good question. I think there's a number of different things. One is being in a big market, I think, gives you an, an advantage. You know, obviously, you know, the Knicks, they, that, the statement I just made doesn't kind of live up to, to, to that because the Knicks, uh, you know, for a number of years haven't, really been in contention but i think being in a big market gives you an advantage of getting free agents okay and the the, the second part of that of course you've got to be lucky you know you've yeah. got to uh be able to you know get a high draft pick in a year that a high draft pick really means something right. um you know getting a shaquille O'Neal or uh one of these players that's a you know once in a decade type of player uh, again, this year's draft, whoever gets number one is going to be in a in a good place. Um, but there are certain years you just got to get lucky in the draft. You've got to be able to attract free agents. And, and sometimes the smaller markets, you know, they're not able to kind of consistently win because they're not getting that free agent market turning over. Yeah. Chris Corciani joining us now, former NBA player, played overseas. Do you like the uh, play-in Format the news format these games leading up to the uh, postseason first round. You know, it, it gives it, it gives the team. It's kind of like what they've done in the NCAA tournament with expanding the field. And if you look at uh, Major League Baseball, they've added uh, you know play in and, and thrown in more teams. I just think it brings a little bit more excitement uh, to the end of the year. It gives teams that maybe were on the outside looking in. An opportunity, um, you know. So I'm kind of indifferent about it, but I think that uh, you know the NBA is always looking for you know ways to make more money and expand. Um, you know, so I think it's overall it's a good thing. So I wanted to ask you about load management, which is a huge issue in the NBA. When you played the game, did these things go on, but they just weren't publicized because you didn't have social media and so forth, and you didn't have all that concentration? Like, did players sit out games? I tell you, I was. This is early in the morning. You kind of struck a, a, a chord. This this is really one that bothers me. Um, you know, load management to me is. It's just not right. I don't like it. Um, I understand it. I understand why load management is important, but I'd be amazed. Uh, I would really be amazed if players didn't get paid for when they sit out. How often they would sit out? No doubt. You know, the, the guy that the guy that's digging ditches and, and he's getting paid hourly. Those times he's not feeling well. He's sick, but he's got to provide for his family. 
the, the road management thing to me is, is these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to do something that is so enjoyable that everyone will like the opportunity to do. And, and yet they find reasons to, to kind of, you know, sit out. I'm an old school player. I played when I was sick, when I was hurt. I love the game. Yeah. Um, not to say these guys don't, but, but sitting out, it's, it's not fair to the fans that are paying amounts of money that they really don't have. And they're paying for parking and they're paying for beers and hot dogs and all of a sudden you get there and, and one of these superstars is, is not there. I understand the reason behind it, but I, I certainly don't like it. And I get the impression that it's not the players so much as it is management that wants to sit him down, whether it be for tanking reasons or to get a, a better draft pick. I, I, I read these comments like I, I never could understand why Damon Lillard was sat down. He's got a whole year to rest up. He wants to play, but they sit him down. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I think you, you, you have a little bit of a combination of both. I think there's some players that uh, – you know, kind of monitor their body and the way they're feeling, and then it's certainly management that that's uh, you know pulling those strings. And you know, again, whether it's for, for a, a better draft pick or or to kind of be healthy going into the playoffs, again, understand a lot of that. It's just not it's it's not what I like. I don't think it's fair. Again, these players are getting paid so much money. I think they need to be out there, and and if they do sit out. You know, I don't think they should get paid. Obviously, that's the collective bargaining. That would never be something that would happen. But it all goes back to the guy that's working for the state and he's digging ditches and, and building roads, getting paid hourly. If he doesn't show up, he doesn't get paid. All right, speaking of getting paid and not playing, Zion Williamson, he's a talent. And you know the Pelicans could use him. They're tonight going up uh, against the Thunder in an opening round playing game. And a story Chris came out yesterday. He had a press conference. He's been out since January the 2nd. And he's been bothered by a hamstring. So he says he's quoted as saying he's feeling fine physically, but will not return to the court until, quote, I feel like Zion. What does all that mean? I don't know what that means. No, I, I, I read that same thing, and I, I, I couldn't quite understand exactly what, what, what he was saying. And maybe, maybe it had something to do until I'm 100% physically and mentally and ready to go. But, again, your team's in the playoffs. You, you've had some injuries. If you're healthy enough and you can get out there and, and, and help your brothers on the team, you know, I, I think you, you've got to do it. You know, again, I, I'm never for someone playing if they have the ability to, to make that injury uh, more detrimental for the career. Absolutely not. But if, if you're ready to go and, and maybe not 100%, and not in great, uh, you, you know, physical shape, um, you know, I, I, I think you've got to lay it on the line and get out there and, and you know, that's, what, that's why you get paid the big bucks. So the Lakers win in overtime. Are they going to be a force, at least in the first round, against Memphis? You know, any time you got someone like LeBron James, you know, on your roster, um, you're, you're going to be competitive. Now, they have struggled. You know, I thought all year they never quite have gotten on the same page. But the playoffs, you know, is a different mindset. You know, players really kind of take it up another level. There's another gear. Um, you know, again, 
you know, one of the all-time greats. It's, it's hard to go against him, you know, against the Memphis team that, again, they've had, you know, the, the situation with Morant and, and some turmoil as well. I think that'll be a, a, a you know, a, a really good series. Who who is the guy in your career that uh, you're going into a playoff, you're going into a big game, and he's an opponent, and you go, oh man, this you know this guy's going to be able to deliver, or what team was that you guys faced, and you went, man, they, you know these guys are going to be really really tough. Well, I tell you, the three years I played, I never made it to the playoffs. The two years with Orlando, and the one year with Boston. So um, you know, I'm I'm not a good person to answer that. Uh, I wish I could. Um, you know, there's there's so many great players out there, but but the the big stars to me when when the lights are on and the playoffs are are brewing, um, you know, those are the type of guys that really up their games. You know, there's no no question that throughout the the course of um, you, you know the the 82 games, you know, guys are coasting, they're playing, but you see a different intensity, uh, especially on the defensive end, uh, come playoff time. Yeah, the, yeah, especially on the defensive end, because it's probably non-existent most of the year the way it is nowadays. Oh yeah, it looks looks like an all-star game most of the time. Yeah, it does. But that wasn't that wasn't the way it was when 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 you were in college. I mean, when when you were playing for the Wolfpack, uh, you were in a very tough conference back then. Yeah, that was that. Those were fun times back in the eighties and early nineties. There was only eight teams in the conference, and you know a, every game. Uh, especially on the road, was tough and it was physical. And uh, you know, the, since expansion and, and other things, you know, it's 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 a lot different. But when the ACC had eight teams, you know, there, there was never a night off. You had to really race them up and get get ready to go. Yeah, Coach Valvano, what was what was his greatest strength as a coach? Coach B was, you know, everyone knows he was a great motivator, a great speaker, um, you know, but he was a great in-game coach. You know, I said oftentimes I've told people, you know, we were prepared, but probably not prepared uh, like some other teams. But in those 40 minutes of basketball, uh, he, he, he would make coaching changes you know, j- just on the you know on the spot. If the guy was hot, he'd go to a box and one and triangle and two. He's always switching defenses. You know, on the offensive end, you know, he he pulled a guy that was really going. He'd run plays for him. You know, a, a defensive player on the other team was in foul trouble. We'd go out, and he was just a brilliant mind for 40 minutes in the basketball game. Nice. Chris, uh, I really appreciate you taking time to join us. I hope we can catch up to you in a couple of weeks when we see which teams are going to reach the finals and, uh, and and enjoy the games. I appreciate it. Yep. Sounds good. Watch out for those sixes. Mm. I will. We'll do it. <laughs> Y'all have a good day. You bet. Yeah, yeah, take care, Chris. All right. When we come back, we'll check out what Nick thinks about the uh, Sixers because he went and saw the Sixers play Friday, but, oh, wow. but he didn't see any of their starters. Mm. They sat them all down. I remember that. And they still won. I remember that. I'll tell you a Sixer incident where that happened. All right. That I recall. I'll be looking forward to that. All right. So we'll uh, continue our conversation. It's currently 747. Sounds like an airplane. It does sound like an airplane. Taking off. Yeah. All right. We'll be back. Uh, More NBA. Uh, Craig Kennedy sitting in for Mark Heim. Uh, Nick Wiggins behind the glass. I'm Lee Shervanian. 
you'd like to join the conversation, now's your time to do it. Uh, by the way, we will have a Chick-fil-A giveaway at 820 this morning. Sweet. Like a little Chick-fil-A? Okay. This is Jim Nagy, the Executive Director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNSC 105.5. off home runs yesterday was that the uh, pirates game i think i put in there yeah uh, they beat houston uh in nine innings on the walk-off home run want to remind everybody that if you have any need for dental issues <coughs> such as implants you, you ever go to the dentist or you got perfect uh, recently teeth? recently i just went to the dentist got some uh, work done i had a root canal once done that was a terrible thing they couldn't freeze my tooth so basically i had a root canal done without freezing oh my gosh yeah do you know the first root canal i ever had was in college at the like a eight, i have had bad experiences yeah my best experience has been with dr christopher mullenix and my own dentist here in mobile john john's been really good he recommended me to go see dr mullenix for my implants i didn't yeah. even know what an implant was right. i never even heard of it right and i had no clue i'm like uh-oh what next i had actually gone to um two dentists over the years who told me they have never seen anything like it in dealing really? with things i had problems really? with my with my teeth anyway so i went to dr mullenix and seven or eight implants later i can attest he's good yeah. he's real good he's very professional but very personable i really enjoyed right. his company um and, and the same with the office and the way you don't have to wait around i'm not one that really likes to wait around in a waiting mm -hmm. room there's very that. little paperwork very little because you know sometimes you go in and they give you a stack so high it's right. like you get writer's cramp so and my 30 minutes asleep Best sleep I ever had, and really? I got out of that dental chair, no pain, and very, very little discomfort. So certainly recommend a mobile oral facial surgery if you have any issues come up, any emergencies. Give them a call, 471-3381, 471-3381, located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. So, uh, Nick, you saw the uh, Sixers, or at least some of them. What'd you think of Chris's estimation? Sixers to the finals, maybe to win it? Uh, look, I like it. See, the Sixers, something that people aren't thinking about. Yes, Joel Embiid is the MVP and can draw a foul at any time. James Harden's the same way. But they added P.J. Tucker in the offseason. P.J. Tucker is just a fat Marcus Smart that gets less love. Oh, He can defend anyone, big Man. or small. And he, he, look, Marcus Smart was defensive player of the year last year, but P.J. Tucker, he can lock down anyone. That's why the Atlanta Hawks struggled against the Miami Heat last year because they put P.J. Tucker on Trey Young. So now that you have this guy, and then, look, remember when um, the Nuggets and the Sixers played this year when Jokic played? Jokic had a bad game, and Bede went off for 50. The reason that happened was because Embiid didn't have to stick Jokic. P.J. Tucker did. So you have a great defender in Embiid, but he's not even having to work that hard because you have P.J. Tucker chasing around the best player. I still like Milwaukee out of the East, but I can totally see Philly getting hot and coming out of there. We've had a conversation many times about you know how I feel players don't put out 
you know, in the regular season. I looked at yesterday's games. I didn't see all of the games, but in that Lakers game, especially with all the steals uh, late in the game off inbound plays, that it really looked like the players were really out there going all out. Did you did you see much of a difference in play yesterday versus the regular season? Oh yeah, I mean they were locked in. Uh, they were playing defense hard. They weren't any easy shots that you could get off. I mean, look, this is this is playoff basketball, right? This is why we wait till about this time in the season to really talk about it on the show. So, I don't know. Now's the time, people. Now's the time to start paying attention. Uh, by the way, before we continue our podcast tonight at 5.30 is? That's right. Tonight uh, at 5.30 for WNSP Now Live. This week it's going to be Throw It Deep with Michael Brauner and Owen McEnroe. They're going to be previewing the NFL season and talking about uh, the over-unders for team win totals and see you know, who maybe we're sleeping on or who might not reach the potential that we think they may. Owen, oh, any relation to John McEnroe? I'm not sure, but we'll have to ask him. Yeah, let's check that out. I remember, uh, early 80s, the the Sixers were going to play the Denver Nuggets in Winnipeg. And I was so excited, and I went to the game because Julius Irving, Dr. J, you know, his his original nickname was The Claw. They called him, he was at Rucker Park playing, they called him The Claw, and he didn't like that. So he kind of went with the moniker Dr. J. And and just a consummate gentleman. But um, he was there playing, and Man, he didn't play. And the rumor was they lost his shoes, and so he wasn't able to play. That used to happen on those exhibition games, and that's the forerunner now of this load management. Guys like that not wanting to play the uh, exhibition games on the road. But I remember going to the airport and standing there. It was about a 610 flight, and I see this huge guy coming through the doorway. I mean, there's just, there's just, the doorway is filled. There's a little bit of space on either side, and I look and I go, Man, that guy's familiar. And I see this other tall guy, and I go, well, it was Moses Malone coming in. And they were going through. This is crazy. You think back then. I'm standing in line at the cafeteria in the Winnipeg International Airport to get breakfast, standing behind Moses Malone, and he was trying to decide what he was going to order for breakfast. Remember the little cereal boxes? You know, they they had Special K, and they had Bran Flakes and stuff. And I was young, you know, snot-nosed kid, and I said, Moses, you're getting up there in years a little bit. Maybe you want to go with the Bran Flakes. And he turned and kind of grunted at me. And then Billy Cunningham was the coach. I've always been a uh, Celtics fan. And I, I walked by him and I said, you know, coach, wish you all the best this year, but Celtics are going to win. He says, yeah, thanks, kid. And the Celtics ended up, up winning. But I didn't get to see Dr. J play because they'd lost his shoes. I wonder what they'd be worth today. If I they don't know. Somebody found those shoes, right? And, and, but I did get his autograph. And? I had Dr. J's autograph, had it pinned up on my board for years. And I came in one day and found the autograph had been torn in half and then taped back together and it didn't even match. My mother, God bless her soul, had been dusting and had ripped it and tried to tape it back together. I don't know. All right, for those who are the younger generation like Nick, Dr. J, Julius Irving, was Michael Jordan before Before there was Michael Jordan. I I know who Dr. J is. I know who Moses Malone is. Give me some credit. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're a Sixer fan, you know those guys. He's not a Sixer fan. Oh, Sedale Threat. He was a good player for the the So my Dr. J story is kind of like yours in a way. When... Dr. J, he left Massachusetts after his junior year, and he went with the New Jersey Nets into that other league with the American. ABA. He was the ABA. Played. He was great. I mean, he was just phenomenal. So when that league 
disbanded. And the, the red, white, and blue basketball they had back then. Yeah. yeah. And when so they, they were going to come into the uh, NBA four yeah. teams. Yeah. The Nets were one of them. Yeah. So I was really excited because the Nets were going to play at the Rutgers Athletic Complex where I covered Rutgers. Right. So I could go and see him play every game. Nice. Oh, pump the brakes a little bit. Uh-oh. What they did was with the Nets, they allowed them to come into the league but for whatever convoluted reason or stupid reason, they assigned Julius Irving to the Philadelphia 76ers. The Nets were terrible. I mean, a really bad team. I was so excited that we were going to get to see Dr. J all the time. Yeah. No, no, we didn't see him at all. No. He was at Philadelphia. Remember, yeah. he had McGinnis yeah. on that team. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember why they were taking the best players like McGinnis was with Indiana in the old in the other yep. league. Well, why these guys all wound up with the 76ers? You had, you had Denver, Indiana, the Nets, and the Spurs. All were all were ABA teams that went to went to the NBA. So as a result, I didn't get to see him play. I don't know if I ever even got to see him play in person at all. Uh, I don't remember Philadelphia came through there. I went to a lot of games, but they yeah. just didn't have any talent at yeah. all yeah. compared yeah. to some of the teams you were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah, the Spurs, they were rough. They were the original bleacher That creatures. was Gervin's team. That was George Gervin, the Iceman. Now, I, the Ice was he's a very underrated player. I mean, he was really good. They had Jim Spinarkle. Remember, Jim Spinarkle does, does the, the college does games. The college, yeah, yeah. Like, look, Mom, I'm Spinarkling. That was uh, played at Duke, I think. Yeah. Chris Stewart, Alabama Radio Network, is going to join us next. He's coming off covering baseball yesterday and called the Alabama win over Southern Miss. He'll be also doing the Alabama A Day game, which is coming up in two weeks for Nick Big and time. Craig Kennedy. I'm Lee Shavani, and one more hour to go. And at 8.30, Craig's got a couple of guests he's lined up. I think one of them I'm really looking forward to, the LSU assistant basketball coach on the women's team. Associate head coach. Well, it's just a title. It is a title. But he's a heck of a coach. As long as he gets paid. Yeah. We'll be back. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine and Lee Shervanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. My guest co-host you ready for another hour mr yeah, Craig you Kennedy? I'm you can so, handle it so excited you know alabama history today the great one of the great boxing of course boxing's down from what it used to be in its heyday but joe lewis the brown bomber from lafayette alabama passed away 1981 this day in history really yeah yeah people don't realize you know he gave so much money to the war effort hundreds of thousands of dollars which is is, is millions today he was a very patriotic american All right, in the headlines leading up to uh, Craig Stewart, the Lakers win, they get the seventh seed in the West. The Hawks win, they get the seventh seed in the East. The Rays win their 11th straight since opening day. They're 11-0, very close to the all-time record of 13 in a row. And let's talk to Mr. Chris Stewart, the voice of Alabama sports right now. Chris, welcome to the show. Good morning. Guys, good morning. I appreciate you having me. You know what? You know how much preparation I put into this, so I had uh, an area to go. But then Craig brought up 
boxing. Have you ever called boxing? Yeah. Wow. I have not. Uh, I grew up at a time when Wide World of Sports would show heavyweight title fights. Yes. On uh, on Saturday morning, so I grew up on Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, Joe Frazier. Um, remember vividly watching Tommy Hitman Hearn, yeah. and marvelous Marvin Hagler. That was a golden Sugar age. Yeah, uh, little Roberto Duran. Those yep. were. I enjoyed watching it. That was again stuff, and I talked about Howard Cosell. Even though I would probably really dislike him today because there are a couple of guys that I think try to be that and I can't stand them but uh, you know Howard if Howard was on an event it was a big event sure was and and he used to do those uh, fights or a lot of them and it was uh, you know here's the thing and I and I, I know how old I sound because I am when I say this but I remember television before ESPN yes and if you loved sports and were willing to consume it like I was, you couldn't be. You know how kids are specialized in sports now and they only play one sport, they only get locked in on one sport? I think one of the reasons that, that kids of my era and generation liked, may not now, but liked at that time multiple sports, is if you wanted to watch sports, you didn't have many options. I watched Wimbledon like crazy. I grew up in an area just west of Birmingham that was far from a tennis hotbed. But I grabbed a tennis racket on occasion because I used to love to watch tennis because it was sports on TV and there was nothing else to watch during that time. Yeah, I think it played an impact in me loving golf as much as I do now. Boxing, all of those things. This Week in Baseball was a show that, that we watched as kids with Mel Allen uh, and every time I walk out of the Alabama radio booth and I see the, the Mel Allen display literally right outside the radio booth there, that's a really cool thing for me. It takes me back to where I used to consume sports and the different types of sports I would consume as a child. The the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Agony of defeat. Wasn't that a classic that's line? That's it awesome. was. It was absolutely Jim McKay. Uh, Jim McKay on that uh, that open for Wide World of Sports, man, never missed it. Good. Hey, Pat Nyland says good good morning and hello. I appreciate that very very much, very much. Yeah. So this is I'm, I apologize, I missed it. Is this Joe? Now this is uh, Craig Kennedy, the head coach of uh, Spring Hill I'm Men's sorry. Program. Joe was so, supposed to come so in. Judge. He bowed out with a yeah. sinus infection. Although I came I to hey, but I came in and I have a sinus infection, so I'm playing hurt. I, no load management yeah, for no me No load today. management for you, Lee. Nope. Look, man. Uh, tell 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 the Nylons hello for me. Great people, we'll great family. Known them a long time, and uh, coach, I'm glad I get a chance to visit with you today as yeah, well. You too, Chandler Avent. Do you remember that name from Alabama baseball? Number number five, Alabama shortstop. I sure do. Yeah, a player played point guard for me. Did he really? Yeah, Pike Liberal wow. Arts School. I he was a good one. Oh man, he was he was tough as nails. We had a kid that uh, he came to me before the first game and, and he said, Coach, he said I got to tell you something. I said, What's that, Russ? He says, Coach, he said I, I've never played organized base basketball before. He said, and and I don't remember any of the plays i said russ it's going to be real easy plays chandler's going to get the ball he's going to shoot it or drive and if he misses you put yeah. it back in the basket that's the only play we're running tonight 
Chandler was a heck of an athlete. Yeah. So good. That's awesome. Yeah, Chandler was a great athlete, guy that that got hurt. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it was during his junior year, maybe sophomore. He was having a great season for yeah. us back when Mitch Gaspar was a coach, and, and we never really got got right after that. But he uh, he was a heck of a baseball player, really tough, competitive kid, but really yeah. talented as well. Yep. Yeah. I watched him throw a guy out from left field, deep left field. He threw that ball, and everybody thought he was throwing it to the cutoff man, and, and he got the guy out at, at, at home. And and uh, they it got like a Bo Jackson. It really play. was. I mean, we just sat there, and you're. Yeah, it's one of, you had to be there to see it. But he was such a tremendous athlete and such a competitor. My yeah, gosh. Coach, let me ask you this. I know I know you're in the interview role, but I but I am curious. I love getting the opinion of, yeah. of coaches on this. How much? And I'm assuming this was high school. You're Correct. talking about yes, when you coached him. Uh, how much did you like kids that played multiple sports? Or were you one that preferred your guys play 12 months out of the year your no, sport? No, I wanted guys playing multiple sports. Uh, I think the wear and tear on their body and the wear on their on their mindset, playing one sport is really tough on them. Uh, my son mm-hmm. played Division One football, but he also was a heck of a catcher. And uh, at first baseman, he played uh, travel ball with Chandler and Rush Hickson. Who Rush was also yeah. also played for me, and then went on to play at Troy. I actually went up to Alabama to watch when Troy played at Alabama, so I could see Rush sure. and Chandler play. I love guys who yeah. play multiple sports. I think it's way way better for them. It's amazing to me, Lee, when you hear guys that give their Hall of Fame induction speeches in in uh, Cooperstown talk about how much they enjoyed and how important playing. You know, I think of Glavin, who was who was a hockey player, if I'm not mistaken, wow. in addition to to uh, baseball. And and I, I remember Smoltz talking about the importance of playing multiple sports and how it helped his development. Yeah. And all these guys that do this at the highest level, and, and I understand there are some communities where coaches want you playing just their one sport and, and that puts a lot of pressure on kids but the parents that just willingly choose to put them in it's one thing if the kid doesn't want to play anything else and i'm not saying you force them to do something they don't want, don't enjoy and don't want to be a part of but trying to encourage i got a i got a 12 year old who if he's going to have a sports future it's going to be in golf he's really yeah. good he'll play yeah. he's he's He'll play in the low 70s. Wow. Um, he was ticked the other day at 12 when he shot an 80. I think he was mostly mad because he lost to me. But, he, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that, that's where he is. Yeah. But he still loves to play basketball. Yeah. And he can shoot it a little bit. And he's a little bitty guy, and he's going to max out very soon on what his ceiling is for that game. But he still loves to play it. And as long as somebody will have him on a team and he enjoys it, we're going to let him do both if he wants Good. to because it is important. Good. It really is. And sport is supposed to be fun. Yes, it's very competitive. And, yes, there's some people who make a living at it, whether it's as a coach or or as a player. But it's supposed to be fun. And you think – I think Lee and I are probably a little older than you are. But we grew up playing pickup. There were no parents involved. There was no – Right. I no, no. Yeah, no parents yeah, coaching, not- no referees, call your own foul, you know. 
Uh, I remember going we, uh, to, to Rucker Park to play, and I really <laughs> kind of didn't fit in there. I mean, I sat for hours to try to get in on a game, and finally they, they let me in on a game, you know. But that's how it was. And, you know, listen, your team won, you stayed, and the other guys you lost, you, you got off, you know, and you had to earn right. your right to play. But it was there was no parents involved. Oh, that and, and look, um, they're some of the best people we've ever met were in ballparks for Little League Baseball. So yep. please don't think I'm picking on it. It's it, it's got great value. It was great to me in my childhood. Okay, right. But but I look out and we got baseball practice, and they're nine years old, and they've all got to have their matching uniforms for practice. Yeah. Yep. And, and and the parents have all got a match, right. and 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 we've got three different uniforms for nine-year-old baseball. Yeah, like what in blue Hades are we doing? Yeah, and, and because the and, problem and I never thought. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, sorry. I, the problem becomes because at the next levels, whether it's going to high school or going to 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 a Division two or a Division three and stuff. It's you know we used to get kids when we were at Auburn they'd never been on a plane before, they'd never been in a nice right. restaurant before, and now that's happening in travel ball. So, what's the experience sure. for them at the next levels? Uh, I never thought that basketball or baseball experience would be as or more expensive than golf is for my child. Yeah, that yeah. blows my mind, and it really is. Yeah, no, you pay yep. fifteen bucks. To sit in a gym for one, maybe three ball games. Yeah. To watch a ten-year-old child play, you know, whether it's uh, AAU, YBOA, whatever it may be, when you you pay fifteen dollars to watch a game, and then you got to come back the next day and do it again. Yeah. And you've you've traveled well. You've traveled. Sometimes it is overnight. The it's it's what it is, and it's yeah. great for a lot of people, but. I'm I'm with you and man you used to you used to get a lot more playing time and a lot more enjoyment a lot more of a positive experience for a whole heck of a lot less money. Chris, we're going to talk to you at length next week about the A Day game. You'll be uh, covering that game, and we usually carry it here on WNSP. But let me ask you, what you got going in baseball? Uh, you got a big win last night. What do you got coming up this weekend? Yeah, you know, last year. Guys, Alabama missed out by maybe one or two wins max of getting to a regional for a second straight year because, they, yeah, they struggled in, in the league like everybody does, basically. If you're not among the top three or four, everybody's got massive flesh wounds by the time you get through conference play in the SEC. But Bama really missed out on the regional because they didn't get it done on Tuesday and Wednesday nights in the non-conference. They went eight and five in non-conference games. Hadn't lost a, a non-conference game uh, midweek this year and nice. last night was another good one against Southern Miss who is not as good as they were last year when they made a super regional and hosted but they're they're still really good. Bama played great but they got Auburn this weekend and it's huge for both the Tide and the Tigers both sitting there at the same spot within the league and, and really really important for both sides and uh, already a sellout. Hope Bama fans that are listening are going to use their tickets or make sure other Bama fans can have access to them but uh we go Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday afternoon, weather permitting on everything. And looking forward to a great weekend in Tuscaloosa. Boy, you're going to have a whole bunch of new assistant coaches to travel with with Alabama basketball these days. That's, uh, that is 
a wonderful problem for Nate Oates to have because those three guys were great in building the foundation in his first four years in Tuscaloosa and almost unheard of that three would get Division One jobs, especially their first ones, and happy so much for Brian, for Charlie, and, and for, especially for Antoine because he's been such a great loyal assistant for so long. And, yeah. um, I became a, uh, I became not a closet fan. I'll, I'll be a fan of, of uh, Kennesaw State, Georgia Southern, and Arkansas State with no problem with those guys running their programs. Yeah, ben Fletcher at, uh, at Kennesaw State is associate head coach. I think staying on with him, a great player at Troy. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Pet, uh, Pet understands. He, you know, he stayed at Alabama under, let's see, I don't, I don't know that he worked under Mark. He played for Mark, obviously. Um, I can't remember if he came back. I know he worked at Jacksonville State under Michael Plant for a couple of years. Yeah. And then he came back and was under Anthony Grant, Avery, and, uh, and Nate. He was fantastic. And just thrilled that he's getting a chance with his own program. Yeah. Chris, we've got to let you go. We'll check in with you next week and talk about the Alabama a-Day game. I really appreciate you taking time to join us and have some fun this weekend, all right? I will, guys. Always appreciate the uh, chance to visit with you. you. Thanks so much. 819, uh, we'll skip the scoreboard. We'll come back with traffic and weather and then your Chick-fil-A giveaway. This is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. Okay, that leads into our giveaway uh, for the Chick-fil-A gift card. Here it is. The St. Louis Cardinal outfielder Jordan Walker extended his hitting streak to 11 games uh, last night, a seventh-inning single against Colorado. He is now just one game away from tying the longest hitting streak to begin a career by a player age 20 or younger since 1900. Wow. You're going to have to go back in history to name the guy that holds the record, I will give you a huge hint. He's got the same name as a very famous comedian. Mm. So uh, that's your hint. This is Jordan Walker, 11 straight games, age 20 or younger, the longest. The record is 12, and Walker's sitting at 11. If you know the answer, 694-1055. Not Richard Pryor. No. Okay. Not Richard Pryor. Not Abbott and Costello. Not well, yeah, who's on first? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So sport. I do have one story. I we haven't gotten to. I, I hope for the best. Um, there was a a wide receiver at Murphy High School. Uh, he went and played uh, ball at Alabama State, and also played ball at Louisiana. Uh, projected as a possible mid round. Coming out of uh, Louisiana, Lafayette, with the draft coming up. However, uh, there were reports that on Sunday, Michael Jefferson, a former Murphy wide receiver, was in a very serious car accident. He had a lot of surgery. The driver of the other car, who has not been identified, uh, was killed. So we can only hope for the best for Michael Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, prayers for him and his family. Absolutely. 
So, uh, again, uh, we have our Chick-fil-A. Now, coming up, I want you to – who are the two coaches you have lined up? Uh, Bob Starkey, associate head coach at LSU. And in uh, Bob Starkey is, is one of the most respected coaches I've ever met in the business and has coached both men and women. And then Sam Purcell, uh, the uh, first-year head coach at Mississippi State women's basketball, took him to the NCAA tournament this year. What did you think about the shenanigans after the LSU went over Iowa? Between the two ladies. You know, I, I don't mind it in the course of the game itself. I think after the game, you've won the game, go in line, shake hands, and, and you know, it, it, in the heat of the moment, people do things. But I, d- during the game, it doesn't bother me so much. After the game, I'm like, eh. You know. Do you think Angel Reese went a little too far? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, she's a heck of a player, and... Um, to me, after the game, we tell our guys get in line, shake hands, and that's you know. I didn't have a problem with it in that Caitlin Clark did it to yeah. another school. I think what really bothered me though about Angel Reese, I don't know her, yeah. uh, but the fact that we're not going to the White House, like yeah. she doesn't, she's not the spokesperson I mean, I, yeah, for I mean, the program. Now, now she's going make, right, yeah. you know, but making a big, big deal because the president's wife got really into it and said, boy, it'd be nice yeah. to have both teams. Yeah. And obviously you just want to have the winning team. So yeah. she, you know, she yeah. went a little overboard. Yeah. But Reese, like, really yeah. came down hard on yeah. her. And, you know, like, is she the spokesperson for LSU? Yeah, but that shouldn't that shouldn't take away from, from the tremendous run by LSU and what they did. And unfortunately it has, you know. And, and she's back. I think almost their whole team is back next year. I right? think so. I think so. And Coach Mulkey, of course, does a tremendous job. Did you ever – you were your longtime uh, women's coach at Auburn with Joe yeah. Champion. Did you ever go against Mulkey? Yes, I did at Baylor. What happened? Uh, 2003 WNIT. We were down eight with four minutes to go and came back to win and, and beat Baylor at Baylor. Ooh, I bet she wasn't too happy. No, she was not. There was like three orange shirts in the stands, and the rest were all were all Baylor colors. It was a great game. We we had some real talent on that team. It, would you? Is she obviously she's a Hall of Fame coach, right? Uh, yeah, and a Hall of Fame player, tremendous player. Yes, she was at yeah, Louisiana was Tech. People Coach forget Barmore. about that. Yeah, yeah. For Coach Barmore. But when you look at when you look at uh, Hall of Fame, I mean, coaches now. I mean, is she right up there with Gino Oriema? I mean, I, well, you look at how many how many championships he won. I mean, it's hard. You know, she's she's a next level coach, and I think that what makes her unique is the fact that you go and win championships at two different schools. Now that's tough. Did you ever play UConn? Yes. Yes, we played them the next year. We were down six at halftime, and I said to Coach Champy, I said, you know, I think we can make a run. We had three WNBA players on our team, and I said, I think we can make a run on these guys. We never scored a field goal till four minutes left in the game. That was Gino's 500th win. Diana Tarasi, and they said Tarasi went in at halftime. Gino didn't have to say anything. Tarasi went in at halftime and addressed her, her teammates and said, we ain't losing this game. How about Not that? his 500. All right, it's 8.30, WNSP Sports Time. We're coming back. Uh, Craig's lined up a couple of coaches, especially the one with LSU. I'm really excited to hear about from him, okay? So stick around for that. have about 30 more minutes to go we got a few coaches lined up thanks to my co-host craig kennedy the spring hill men's basketball coach joining me his first go round on the morning show yeah 
Glad to be here. So uh, we're efforting now to get uh, Coach Starkey on. What yes. can you tell us about Coach Starkey? Bob Starkey's associate head coach at LSU. He's probably one of the most respected coaches in the business. Um, national championship at Texas A&M with Gary Blair, and now his, his one at LSU, but also coached the men at LSU at one time. So one of the great minds in coaching. All right, let's get one of the great minds of coaching on. Coach Starkey, good morning. How are you today? Doing great, guys. How are y'all doing? Good. Good. Uh, You're on WNSP, the opening kickoff. You're with Craig Kennedy, who's going to be talking mostly to you. He calls you one of the great minds in college basketball. That's a pretty high standard to live up to. It is. We may want to investigate a little background on Craig there, maybe (laughs) ranked as a psychological, but I appreciate the compliment. No, you, you really are one of the most respected guys in, in, in the business. Uh, it's funny, I, you know, besides thinking to have you on the program, my pen wasn't working this morning, which made me think of you and uh, Don Meyer and pens. Oh, man, you got to have a backup pen. You got to have a, you know, a coach didn't call them pens. He called them capture tools. That's right. That's right. And, and of course, yeah. he was a baseball guy, too, wasn't he? That was his first love. To, uh, oh, baseball was absolutely his first love. Yeah, he was tremendous, tremendous yeah, coach. Funny, uh, yeah, during this NCAA tournament run, uh, one of the calls I got was from Tim Corbin, the the obviously the outstanding baseball coach at Vanderbilt, won many national championships, yeah. who was a dear, dear friend of Don's. And Don's actually the reason uh, we connected, but it's just because cool. Don absolutely loved baseball. Cool. Well, congratulations on, on the championship. Um, you know, you guys, you, you guys put together a great team, and of course, Coach Mulkey is a tremendous coach. You've coached both men and women. Um, who's who's the best player you've you've ever worked with? You think? That's um, that's a that's a really tough question because I've been unbelievably blessed. Uh, certainly, you know, Angel Reese has joined that conversation. Yeah. Uh, but also coached Simone Augustus and Sylvia Fowles. I was yeah. blessed to coach Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, just, just, there's a lot of really, really good ones there. But uh, Angel absolutely is in that conversation right now after the season she had and, and her ability to take our team as far as it could go. Hey, Bob, let me ask you, uh, and since you brought her name up, about how the coaches felt about what transpired after your championship win over Iowa. Do you sit down with Angel and talk about it, or you just let it fly and just took it with a grain of salt and said, okay, so what? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it was funny. I was I was talking to Dale Brown the other day and, and, and reminded him of this big dance that Shaquille did after he dunked on Arizona. I mean, this has been part of the men's games for decades. Yeah. And, uh, the things that, that, that people probably didn't see is the respect and the admiration that Caitlin Clark and, and Angel Reese had or, or the, the time they spent together before and after the game. So uh, when you're on the national stage, there's a little trash talking. I, I think it's probably a little bit different for people that are finally tuning in and watching women's basketball for the first time. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's a natural evolution of the game when you watch what goes on in the professional ranks and uh, the men's rank. So it wasn't a big deal for us. We just made sure uh, that she was uh, knew that she was supported by us. Oh, she got a ton of support from a lot of media people and some uh, some NBA players and uh, heck, I, we got some good publicity out of it. To be honest with you, yeah, absolutely. So let me take it a step further. Was there any, let's say, reaction 
from LSU or Coach Mulkey when she made her comments about the White House? No, no, not too much. Uh, I know Kim reached out to her and told her, you know, I know you're upset. You have every right to be. You know, that was the wrong thing for the uh, president's uh, you know, wife to say. But it, it promised she it's going to work out. It's just some comments she made, given it a couple of days, which is exactly what happened. Uh, you know, Angel made that comment like once or twice, but because of the news cycle, it looked like she was making it every day. And uh, I thought the president did a first-class thing and actually called Angel herself and just made sure he knew that, you know, the White House visit was for champions, and he was excited to have them, and I know she feels a lot better about it now. Do you know when you're going to go? Have you got the date yet? No, we have not. You know, there's so many things involved. I think they like to try and get us and uh, Connecticut there either the the same day or back-to-back days. I know sometimes... Uh, these things don't happen till the summer, uh, but we'll coordinate that, and it'll be it'll, it'll be a special thing. You know, not too many kids get an opportunity to visit the White House and see the president. There'll be some other things we'll do in D.C. We'll we'll visit the Civil Rights Museum and and and, and some of the great historic places in D.C. So it'll be a special special couple of days. With the high ratings that you pulled in with that game. There's been suggestions to start next season, the women's basketball year, with LSU against Iowa. Any possibility of that to open up the season? No, I don't think there's any possibility just because our schedules are done. You know, I, the people don't realize you're, you, you schedule in January and February. And, uh, you know, like for us, we, we're going to want to open the season at home and, and drop a banner and have a ring ceremony. And so we'll, we'll schedule accordingly. Uh, we, we got our... our our schedules, gosh, I'm gonna say probably 95 percent done. Uh, the ratings were amazing, though. Uh, 9.9 million views on ESPN, the largest event on ESPN this year, including. And I thought I would never ever say this. We got more views in our national championship game than LSU Alabama football game. Yeah, how about that? How about that? You know, and years ago, Coach Wooden said that, that the women's game was how the game is supposed to be played. And and you made a great point earlier, Bob, about the fact that people are catching on to it. And uh, you have you have coached at such a high level for so long. What do you think is, is the characteristic that made this LSU team so successful? The winners that you've coached in the past, Simone Augustus, Sylvia Fowles, Shaq, what characteristic did they have um, that you saw in this year's team? They had Kim Malky coaching them. Nice. Period. Nice. Period. Yeah. Uh, absolutely the best I've ever been around. I mean, just an absolutely incredible practice coach. Nice. Every practice was a masterpiece, not just in terms of the outline and the teaching, but in her language. She sent so many messages, planted so many seeds throughout the year, and that's how we were able to grow and get better. She is absolutely, there's a reason this was her fourth national championship, and I was just blessed I got to go through it one year to see how it happens. Yeah. That, that's pretty high praise given the people you've worked with. It really is. And not to take anything away from our kids, because our kids were, they were 10 toes in. They bought in. Right. Uh, but you can have kids bought in, and if you're not selling the right thing or, or, or you're not selling costly, you, you don't get the, the results you want. But Kim was phenomenal. The kids know it. I mean, let me tell you something. The first group of kids that know what a coach is doing at practice are the players. Sure. sure. And 
they had a lot of trust and respect in her and our staff, and I thought that helped us in our growth. Awesome. Bob, uh, I really appreciate you taking time to join us. Uh, congratulations. I know life has changed over there at LSU since you have a national title with the women's program. Really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you guys having us on. Have a great day. You, you too. Yeah, and safe recruiting. So we're going to be now talking with Sam Purcell very quickly because this was yep. raised after the uh, LSU game. Caitlin Clark, would you yep. put her in the top five? best players you've ever seen in girls basketball because you played Connecticut and they've had a ton of them yeah 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 she's she's very special her ability to get open I think she has watched Steph Curry how he gets open uh, her ability to get open and then how quickly she gets her shot off is just phenomenal I think she's got to be the top 10 player okay but you, can she you, do it again can you put her in the top five who, who are some of the great you saw Tarasi Tarasi Sue Bird did Sue Bird um, obviously, Simone Augustus, Sylvia Fowles were tremendous players. You know whose name never comes up? Brianna Stewart. Brianna Stewart. She's like four-time champ. Yeah, Stewie was a great player. You know, when we go we go back to players like Ruthie Bolton, uh, who is just a tremendous player and Olympian for Auburn. Boy, she was good. All right, introduce your next guest. Yeah, Sam Purcell, who is the um, first-year head coach at Mississippi State. Uh, he's got just a tremendous journey from where he started out to become a head coach in the SEC. So proud of him. I think they were 22-11 and 11 this year, went to the second round of the tournament. So we're, we're glad to have Sam here joining us. Sam? Hey, good morning, morning, Craig. Appreciate that little intro. Yeah, you bet, you bet. S Sam, just, uh, you know, your first year head coach, but – you know, people often look at coaches and they, they just see what they have on TV. They don't see how you got there. Outline your journey starting in, in, in basketball and how you became a head coach at, at Mississippi State. Wow, wow. So uh, the short version here is, first and foremost, I had two parents who never played basketball. Yeah. That's probably why I'm here today, Craig. They didn't yeah. screw it up. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but no, they, they told me, you know what, find a profession you love. Uh, and you'll never feel like you worked a day in your life, and that was the best advice ever. Yeah. Uh, I went junior college basketball. Uh, I wasn't good enough to go D1. I always knew I wanted to be a head coach one day. Uh, 20 years ago, before social media uh, is now your truth teller, I went to a gas station and bought a Sports Illustrated magazine, yeah. and Auburn men's basketball was on the cover. Right. So I assumed that the best program in the country I apply, I call a guy Cliff Ellis on the yeah. men's side for a job. He promises me a student job, but then calls me back two months later to tell me, you know what, we don't have enough money. And I said, uh-oh, and my mother, Diane Purcell, does not play. She said, you better figure it out. <laughs> so I go to Auburn and work at The Gap yeah. and getting clothes. You know, a young guy was loving life. I said, well, at least yeah. I don't have a job. I'm going to look good. Yeah, you're and probably modeling. My other job was a telemarketer selling vacuum cleaners <laughs> and who knew that those two professions would help me today yeah and then i'm riding the bus to school and a guy named craig kennedy has a flyer for a video coordinator because technology is now getting into sports yeah and so i apply and the rest is history i'm forever grateful for you and the yeah. journey i've been on yeah yeah i mean you you were you were a video coordinator manager a crusher one of the orange crushers at auburn and um, and then of course Coach Champion, we Lee and I were talking about this earlier. We played Connecticut in the uh, we beat North Carolina State by 25 in 2004, and then we played Connecticut 
Um, lost. That was Geno's 500th win, and then Coach Champy retired. Um, I was out of hey, a job. I, also, also yeah. to that, Craig, yeah. you missed the most important part. Yeah. It was not only Geno, but it was Diana Trossi who hits eight threes and tell, yeah. looks at Joe Champy and tells him to take a timeout. He looks at us. I don't know if you remember this. And he goes, thank God that she's right and calls the timeout. Yep, yep. And you remember, we were down half. We were down six. And I said to Coach, I said, Coach, we're not. We're shooting about 32%. I said, Coach, we're not shooting very well. I think we can make a run this second half because we had three WNBA players on our team. And uh, we never scored till four minutes. We never scored a field goal till four minutes left in the half. And um, yeah. and that was that. So we were out of a job. Where did you go from there? Uh, I was fortunate to be able to stay on. Uh, Nell Fortner came yeah. on after, so she kept me on because the video job at that time, 20 years ago, uh, wasn't highly sought out. It was hard to yeah. feel, so she was willing to keep me uh, for one year. And then after that, I got my first assistant coaching job in Oklahoma, yeah. uh, which I was the Garth Brook. Yeah. Garth Brooks fan out there. Because he wanted to watch his daughter retire. He just had 100 acres of land. My house was next to it. So that's wow. two different price points, but literally neighbors. Wow. Never saw the guy two years ago, two years though. And from there, I got a job at Georgia Tech yeah. uh, for six years. And then I've uh, been fortunate to get hired at Louisville because they were moving to ACC. Uh, I fit the boxes of what they were needing for an assistant, had a great run, and then obviously sure got this great opportunity here at Mississippi State. Sure did. So, Sam, let me ask you. I'm Lee Shervaney, and a pleasure to have you on with us. So the portal, is it as big a deal in women's basketball as it is in men's basketball these days? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that portal, uh, let's put it this way, way. Our season ended three weeks ago, and I haven't had a day off. Yeah. Yeah, what? How, man, how it's, 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 guys. it's a plus, you know. For, yeah. When it's used for the right intent, man, it's beautiful. Sure. Um, you know, but the, but the problem is what people read. I think that the biggest victims in this situation are the kids who are not graduating, yeah. uh, who are transferring with one year of eligibility left. They think they have immediate eligibility, and they realize if you're not at eighty percent of your degree, you're not eligible. Right. Uh, and I've already had three transcripts where. Uh, you know, like universities, you can't transfer in just every class and just need to take three hours or else everybody would try to transfer into Harvard and get sure. a Harvard degree. Sure. Like, that's not how this works. Yeah. Like, a lot of universities have a requirement that your last 35 hours have to be from that university. So right. there's a lot of loopholes and not enough education out there for some of these yeah. uh, young, uh, you know, student athletes that are putting themselves in a bad situation. Yeah, certainly on the men's side, the biggest losers in this whole thing are high school seniors, because there's just we you yeah. know we have twenty eight hundred there are twenty eight hundred and forty something guys in the portal yesterday when I looked, and it really affects the high school seniors. Do you think it's the same way with women? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a big domino effect for everybody. I think, like for me, my employees, we work so hard. Even like, I'm gonna take it to another level, Craig. Yeah. Uh, we pour so hard into our young women uh, throughout the year that when the season's over, we need to refresh and re-energize. Right. We can't right now. Right. You know, we can't catch our breath. Uh, compliance office is overwhelmed because uh, I've been buying Chick Fil A biscuits every day but Sunday because they're closed. 
uh, <laughs> try to have them do evaluations and, and look through these transcripts as fast as they can. And they've got other things to do. So yep. it's added more work. Uh, people aren't taking breaks. I know fans are sometimes upset because they want to see what next year's roster is going to look like so they can get excited. Um, and then players are nervous. If a bunch transfer out, this is not what they signed up for. So there's a lot of uh, situations where it's not good. Sam, I can't thank you enough. We've uh, up against the clock. We wish you the best, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again. Good luck with the Mississippi State women's basketball program. All right. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate you having me you on. Bet. Thanks, Sam. Hey, uh, since he brought up Chick-fil-A, did we get a winner, Nick? No, no he shakes his head. All right, yeah. one more time. Uh, Jordan Walker, 11 straight, youngest, uh, uh, 20 and under. The record is 12. And the guy that holds the record is a, has got a name, very synonymous, very famous comedian name, not the same guy. No. So if you want to take a, a crack at that and get yourself a Chick-fil-A, call 694-1055. Back with closing comments right after this. Hi, I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of 105.5 WNSP Sports. got a little history of his family background the kennedy name yeah yeah we, you know, we, are you linked to uh the compound up there where, where are they all vacation hyannis yeah, yeah i have a cousin named john fitzgerald kennedy jfk and named and after the after the, the late president JFK. the first memory in my life this ages me a little bit was my neighbor running into our house crying when jfk was assassinated oh i don't think he was the only one yeah. I remember I was in class, and they dismissed class. I was, uh, I think, I guess it was high school really? when that happened. Yeah, and then, yeah. of course, we had off for the rest yeah. of the weekend. Yeah. If you remember, you know, sports almost came to a total close, except mm -hmm. the NFL right. played the games. And the commissioner at the time, Pete Rosell, said it was the biggest mistake he ever made wow. to play the games on that uh, weekend, on that yeah. Sunday yeah. after the assassination yeah. of John F. Kennedy. Yeah. All right, uh, I want to get, tell you about our programming today, uh, the Dan Patrick Show, although I don't I don't know if he's on today or not. He hasn't been the last day or two. Uh, Southern Sports, uh, Chuck Oliver, uh, we got the final drive. But, uh, Nick, at 5.30 that ends because? That's right. This week's edition of WNSP Now Live is going to be the Throw It Deep NFL Show. So it's all NFL. And that's it. So if that's what you want, tune in. Do you like this Falcons deal they made, getting the guy from the Lions, Aduka, I think his name is? Uh, yeah. Or you uh, I think it's Okuda. Okuda, yeah, okay. Uh, third yeah, round. I think a fifth, fifth round, round pick oh, to get a fifth guy round? who was drafted third overall, not but like two or three years ago. I mean, hmm. you can't get better than that. Do we get a winner on the Chick-fil-A? We did not. Oh, no problem. Very sad. That means we give it to Craig. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad nobody it. phoned in. Yeah. Oh, the phone was off the hook. Sorry yeah, about okay, that. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> so the winner, <laughs> listen to this. So Jordan Walker is at 11, youngest yeah. 20 and under. Yeah. The record goes back to 1912. The guy holds the record, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Rings a bell, how, huh? How about that? Yeah. Today, today, I think 1911, I think 1911, the first catcher's mask was used in the sport of baseball. 
You mean the guys never had a mask? They before? never had a mask before that. So you're telling me they were behind home plate? Like, yeah, yeah, without without a mask. Do you know? And of course, you follow hockey yeah. like I did. You know, when I first followed hockey, the goalies didn't goalies wear never, a mask. Never made Gumper. The Gump. Remember Gump Worsley? Yeah, oh, was I a big Ranger took, fan? Yeah. Took a slap shot in the face with 30 seconds to go in the game. Now the home team used to have an alternate goalie who could play for either team, and usually the uh, trainer. Usually the trainer. And poor Gumper, you know, got hit and was pretty knocked out. But uh, his, his team was up. I think it was went been Minnesota. No, it might have been the Canadians back then. But anyways, they were up. And they said, listen, Gump, just lean against the goal. We'll finish out the game. So they have Gump propped up against the goal. They win the game. And uh, they're stitching him up afterwards. And the reporter asks him, hey, you know, did it did it hurt when they put the stitches in? Gump said, I got hit in the mouth at 100-something miles an hour. Do you think I could feel the stitches going in? The Gumper was Do you was remember great. the goaltender who first wore a mask? Uh, was it Plant? Yep. Yeah. Jacques Plant. Yeah. Jacques the, uh, Plant. Canadians. Yeah. Now remember, back then they didn't have the slap shots. They didn't have the curved sticks. No, correct. But still, the goalies were getting beat up pretty bad yeah, without yeah. the mask. Yeah, they were the great. You know, Bobby Hull, who had uh, was 100 and, 123 miles an hour slap shot. I actually worked on his farm at one time. Uh, passed away recently this year. The Golden Jet. I mean, that guy could really, really let that thing fly. You did a great job today. Oh, thanks. It was so much You'll fun. You'll invited back. Thank you. Um, I appreciate tomorrow, that. Tomorrow, Ronnie Cottrell, uh, longtime football coach, yep. now at Mobile Christian, is going to join us. Beautiful. Paul Feinbaum will be yep. on at 7. But here's the plus tomorrow. Yeah. Returning to the airwaves with us for the first time in a long time yeah. is Eli Gold. Wow. Beautiful. Coming back from his illness. Y- yeah. So uh, thankful. talked to him this week, yep. and he wants to get back and talk with us. So he'll great. be on at 730 uh, hopefully, Nick will have a Pelicans report. Does it look good for them tonight against the uh, Thunder? Yeah, I think New Orleans can uh, handle the Thunder, okay. even without Zion. Can wow. somebody explain that to me? I'm physically fine, ready to go, but I'm not but, Zion. But I'm not. I, I just, I just don't understand this. You know, as like guys will say, you know, I'm not 100. percent Nobody's 100 percent this time of year. Yeah. I- I'm off on Zion. I bet New Orleans wishes they probably would have drafted Ja Morant by this point. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah, but at the time, it would have been a PR nightmare to do sure that. It sure it would have. But, but you know, look look at where we are now, though, right? You know the old saying, you pays your money, it takes your chances. What do you got going today? What do I got going today? Uh, Patty Patty handled the weights for us this morning. You're recruiting, recruiting this time of year is very, very busy for us. So um, that's what we're going to do the rest of the rest of the day. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for Great having guest. me. Really enjoyed it. All right, Nick. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Thank Nick. you. Thanks for everybody for listening. We'll see you tomorrow from six to nine. WNSP and WNSP.com. It is eight fifty nine. Go bad.